Hey everyone, before you start listening, I want you to know that this is a re-upload. This and several other episodes had audio issues that means they had to be taken down. However, this episode got taken down shortly after it came out. Now, these will be backdated if you're listening back, but right now you may not get this episode in time to have your normal time to send in questions or comments, especially as we come to the end of our book club with Comrade Fies. We'll still do one episode after this with Comrade Fies Paradise Lost, and we may do additional content. But please, when you're getting this, send in any questions, comments on the book club, shows we should cover, or just Comrade Fies, because we will be recording that fairly soon. You're listening to Kamen Ride with me. Kamen Ride with me is a weekly podcast about tokusatsu, a genre of TV and film focused on practical effects. This is two shows that alternate weeks. One is the yearly podcast that covers shows yearly as they're coming out or as they would have come out. And then there's a book club that covers things in monthly chunks like a book club. You're better listening to episode 196, the penultimate episode of the Kamen Rider 5 series as the book club, the episodes 41 through 45. And... Shin... Hey everybody, I'm Kip, and if I was an orphanoc, I'd probably be like some kind of stag or like a bear. And that's Steph, and what would she be? A bumblebee. Oh, I. And David, what would you be? A corgi. Oh, I. I love it. Yeah, we need like a... <laughs> we should have coordinated that, huh? A like corgi orphanoc like sounds like the one who would like be innocent and like die in a movie, kind of. Yeah, he, he would be like, he would be like the friendly orphanoc that gets murdered to... Yeah. Make the mm. the fucking main hero go ape shit. Though the bear could too, honestly, because it's like, oh, like this big old bear, so nice. Oh no, they killed him. <laughs> True. No, uh, we're here to talk about Comrade Fies, forty one through forty five. This is the second to last episode on the TV show. Uh, so we still have the next episode, which is forty six through fifty, and then the movie Paradise Lost. Okay. First things first. I had something I wanted to show you all because. I forgot that uh, some historical context might help, but I have shared um, a compilation of the superhero time openings, which is like what the Saturday morning like cartoon toku block is called. Yeah, it's the one. It's one that has like the Sentai and the the Common Rider like back to back. It's still going on to this day. Nice. It will happen tomorrow. The first one was with Fies and like a dinosaur Super Sentai show. Sick. I wanted to uh, just uh, watch that like 10 second like clip really quick. TV. Is this after Hibiki? No, this is like should be like right at the start, right? So Fies is the fourth Common Rider show. So there's like Kuga, Agato, Ryuki, Fies. So 2003. Oh, this is um, what was the English version of Abba Ranger? It's like a Dino uh, Thunder. Dino Force or something. Yeah, Dino Thunder. That's what it is. I recognize the suits immediately. I wonder. I wonder what the story to Abba, the Japanese Abba Ranger is, because like if it's nearly as dark as flies, <laughs> that's real weird. It's kind of dark. I don't know. Um, I know that like it has one of Sentai's like most beloved villains, and like the White Ranger is called like it's like 
Habare killer and he's like a surgeon and a murderer or something. Oh, wow. Cool. That's pretty intense. I don't really know too much uh, beyond it was like a beloved show and um, it like is getting a 20th anniversary movie along with Fies. So it, it must have been pretty well liked. Mm. Hmm. Makes sense. Okay. Interesting. Because in general, I think, uh, especially in this era, like the Super Sentai stuff just isn't as popular as like the Kamen Rider stuff. Yeah, that maybe. Yeah. It's like a Coke Pepsi thing. It's kind of just like, oh, this is just wasn't the one franchise. It's still in every store, you right. know? Right. But no, uh, so it's just a weird to think that like headlining the like process of making like a Saturday morning like cartoon style like block of like here's children's TV in the morning is the show we're about to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but um, before that though, like, I did just want to say um, we do have some questions and like stuff like coming in and thoughts on what we should do next coming in cool so i wanted to like push out kind of deciding uh what's next for the book club until next time because like like i was still getting stuff today okay it's cool two things did come up that were kind of good polls one was from um a couple listeners brought up actually uh high school heroes which is a more recent show um, which I think is like a, it's not canon, but it's like uses Super Sentai like legacy characters. Like it's like a non-canon, but in the Sentai canon show. Mm. Okay. Interesting. About high school? Um, yeah. It's like, what if a bunch of high schoolers had to be Super Sentai heroes, but they were like dealing with stuff. And I think it got a lot of notoriety for like having a very considerate, depiction of what it means to be trans in the show oh so it's like that kind of style like much more like slice of lifey and more about like their issues as students than as like heroes like how modern are we talking like 2010s 2020s like 2022 mm. oh okay so like really modern so that's just like a show that i think this is like going to be on the radar just because of that like knowing that it's like beloved like that uh, for just being very modern in that way um, and then the other show you brought up which is Taro Band David while we were like talking on Discord oh my god oh, <laughs> fucking hell dude like okay so c- can I talk about Taro yeah. Man for like yeah. a hot minute like Taro Man I-, I don't think is gonna be a series that you would watch a lot of because I don't think Taro Man has any kind of continuity whatsoever um but man, okay, so Taro Man, what's Taro Man? Um, fuck, how do I even explain Taro Man? So I was in Hiroshima, and I was just hanging out because it was nighttime in the uh, in the hotel, <laughs> and I turn on the TV, and fucking Taro Man is on. I'm like, what the hell is Taro? Like, I know what Taro Man is because I've seen him, um, and because it's like a famous art installation, and Taro Man is fucking weird, dude. <laughs> Like, really fucking weird. So, like, old school Ultraman was way more experimental and psychedelic. And I think Taroman's that time's a, a bunch more. This this goes even more a million. It's, it's, Taroman is a trip, dude. Like, I watched, like, a couple episodes. And it's like, Taroman, like, how do I even describe Taroman? Taroman looks like Ultraman. 
but he has like a giant eyeball in his chest and his head is the sun and it has a face on it and he lives on an island of other like kaiju monsters and they're also all fucked up and in the episode I watched the humans wanted to kill all the kaiju on the island so the kaiju decided to have a battle tournament to fight each other to decide who's going to be president of the kaiju so they could wield the giant sun staff to kill all the humans. That's pretty intense. But it's like weirdly philosophical. It's like, don't let other people tell you how to be like, you should be your own person. And like, like don't, don't fight just because you can, like you should fight for a reason. Like it's just, it's really like weird fucking it's, it's really weird. Like it's, and it's like really like weird and psychedelic and odd. Is it like where it just it can't decide what it wants to be, or is it just intentionally weird? Oh my god. I No, it's intentionally weird. I also forgot, I'm sorry, there's a plot line in this episode where evil Kappa spacemen um take over the brain of the president of the United States and they're gonna use nuclear weapons on the island. That's that was a big plot point. I forgot about that. Honestly, that sounds like something that would happen here. Here's the whole episode. If you want to watch it later. To your point, though, David, that's like a four or five minute episode. That happens at four or five minutes. <laughs> oh, no, this is a 10 minute episode. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, like I know that Um, this might be better quality than the fucking thing I watched on TV. Damn. I'm going to do a real college try, but Taro Hokamoto was an artist uh, in like the like mid-century to like 90s japan that was just like very avant-garde that like lots of cool like sculpture stuff and this is based off of his work it's a 2022 series um it's only 10 episodes and i think like the whole thing is like under an hour and a half so that would be the perfect like Mm -hmm. palette cleanser episode just be like hey let's watch like an hour or something and talk about it right you know i man (laughs) this is mean he like turns around and scares a monster off of a cliff and then it just goes to like a miniature shot of like a plastic like solid monster and it's just like rolling down the hill <laughs> while someone's going ah for the audio it's really great that's incredible I mean that's kind of what it's all about <laughs> honestly yeah I think more things should have miniature shots like what if um that's how they killed Thanos like they threw like a like whole statue like down a mine shaft or something it would have been so much more satisfying there's also a part when he gets the magical sun key where they just sing a song that just says Koriwananda which is like directly translates to what is this and it just repeats Koriwananda Koriwananda <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking weird uh, is so weird I mean yeah that is just there's a lot of like Showa or just modern weird stuff that we don't touch. Um, it's true. And we should. Um, and also just a third thing that has been recommended. I don't think anybody has recommended this legitimately. But I just want to talk about it really quick. Uh, we're not probably going to look at Giga Tokusatsu. Giga Tokusatsu? So Giga Tokusatsu. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I'm going to regret asking, aren't I? So Giga Tokusatsu is this YouTube indie tokusatsu like label basically that's just like on YouTube it's just like putting out a bunch of like short series and it'll like do like a full sentai series or like a like full Ultraman style series 
mm-hmm. and it will just be like good enough looking I guess for like a low budget thing tell a story um, and it has a ton of softcore porn in it oh it's all about shots of girls covered in slime with their butts out and like it's technically not porn yeah oh so it's like Nickelodeon <laughs> sort of like Nickelodeon after dark it sounds like maybe well apparently with the stuff coming out about Nickelodeon it was Nickelodeon during Nickelodeon that's true <laughs> I mean, it's like on, it's like on the screen a bit more, is what I would say. Oh. If you've ever wanted to see somebody dressed up like a pink Power Ranger being like, oh no, and you know, uh, being trapped, I just know that it's very much just like the safe for work porn is how I've always had it pitched as. Mm. Okay. So. And also, it's just like on YouTube, it's not really subbed. Um, the boring porn. I mean, it might be cool, but like, I don't think it. I don't know if it's necessarily trying to be. If it, <laughs> I don't know if it's trying to tell a story very well, if it's trying to have like, <laughs> oh, the Pink Rangers compromised. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's a very specific story, but I guess it's still a story. I mean, that is like a weirdly specific genre of like porn yeah. here. In Japan, like weirdly specific, there's like Sentai stuff. I've seen it. It's odd. I mean, if we want to take a look really quick, I found like a one minute <laughs> video, like previewing one of their shows. Already, I can tell. Yeah, this is exactly what I expected. So, Battle Princess Band Dexter. We don't <clears throat> necessarily have to watch this, I guess, but if you could tell from the thumbnail, this is like 100% the exact thing i was talking about that's it's incredible honestly i've got it playing i just have the sound muted and it's everything i expected when you were describing this to be honest on one hand i'm like i want there to be like the cool porter like model pipeline to like super sentai stuff that i know is there in the 90s but i don't think we necessarily would be the audience for anti-shot the show so yeah just uh three interesting things outside of the door Oh, that's their that's their whole birth canal. I just saw, <laughs> not really, but basically, um, a lot of slow motion like kicks by somebody in like a leotard. You know, definitely a dominatrix has already appeared in this preview. So, yeah, fantastic. We'll talk more in depth about what's next next time. So, I want to talk about some more interesting things that came up outside of our discussion last time. Uh. If you have a compelling case for a Gigatsu series and can help us find it sub, maybe we'll look at an episode, but that's probably not likely, I will say, just with all the other competition. <laughs> just to go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah, I like heard rumblings of Gigatsu and I was like, oh, what's this about? Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, there's no drama. There's no people getting thrown in the river. Well, they're getting thrown into something just judged off of this preview, but it's not the same river we were, you know, we've been talking about. Um, what would you all call your softcore porn Toku series? Mm, I've done some research here now, like <laughs> just looking at the title. This is definitely not softcore. <laughs> like 100%. Not softcore, like, there's no 
nudity, but like I more meant like it's like perverted camera angles, somebody's butt, right? No, really? No. Uh, in a good or bad way. It is like 100% hardcore porn. <laughs> oh, there's actually. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, yeah. There's hardcore pornography on this? Oh, yeah. It's like, is it like cool? Like when they got like the designer for no. 60s Batman costumes for porn? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll spoiler the, 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 what's it called? I'll spoiler the, uh, the DVD cover. Plot spoilers for this porn we found. Oh, oh it's a, it, oh, yeah, that's that's not softcore. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> no. You've helped me, David. I thought that this was just a pervy YouTube, like, for people who no. can't get porn. I didn't realize this was, like, preview. No. No, it's not. Wow. So they're posting, like, no, the battle it, scenes in yes. between the porn? Yes. Yes. That's actually... Okay, that's very funny. Here's all the plot. <laughs> the porn's on DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dang, it's long too. A hundred minutes, Jesus. That's the thing I've noticed. Like, it's like, is like Japanese porn like just astoundingly long for like slice the life bits? I don't even know what <laughs> point of that is. It's just astoundingly long, so you don't have to pay that much. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to see the twenty minutes of non-porn, you can find <laughs> on YouTube. Yep, it'll be on YouTube. Um, man, good for this. Actually. I feel much more positive now. This porn star got to like be a superhero for like 20 minutes in between the porn. That's great. Oh, like, like I said, this is an entire genre. I can link you to the maker. They have like 50 million pages. That's incredible. Of, all of it is tokusatsu stuff. All of it. I mean, yeah, good for them. They're keeping actually. I think they're part of culture now that I know it's porn for some reason. I thought of the name of mine too while we were talking. There is they've released stuff this month. Oh, I'm sure they have a, a rapid clip. Have oh yeah, probably. Like I'm I'm wondering when did that come out? What was the release date on that one? Uh it, it probably says somewhere. Uh twenty twenty two what is this? Five twenty seven, so that's what, not June. May? May of 2022. So basically, I thought that they were just putting up like butts for people who couldn't go on porn sites on YouTube, but they're actually just previewing their porn with the plot bits. That's pretty good. It is. Yeah. That's yeah. actually really funny. It's impressive. Aren't you glad you have me here to not send people directly or maybe send people directly to hardcore porn? I mean, people were talking about it. Nobody said it was like, I just didn't know it was related to porn. I thought it was like, you, you, you were going to get tricked. They were taking advantage of your good boy charm is what they were doing. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're too much of a good boy. They're like, hey, hey, hey I can fuck with them. <laughs> Let's get him down this rabbit hole. I thought like there was like, oh, there's a bunch of people in like India who like can't access porn because of their IP. So they have to like go on YouTube. I thought that this was the point. Nope. Well, okay. This is just like that time I found out that a upside down pyramid is called an Aho guy. <laughs> oh, oh uh, what now it's a like giant bomb bit like Rory gets told the Alha guy is the name for an upside down pyramid oh okay I might not know how to pronounce e-girl face but that's what I was trying to say Ahegao what is it pronounced I just was like reading it phonetically Agao oh. Ahegao okay uh, 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 A should be A-H 
Ah, hey, gal. Okay. Yeah. We're learning oh, yeah. so much here today. None of it about common Rider. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, so Steph, that's when somebody makes the orgasm be face on Twitch. Gotcha. Oh, also, I thought of the name of my uh, my softcore <laughs> porn series. That's what you common writer, and with a question mark, and then it says I came and wrote her. Okay, I'm committing to this. I like that. Yeah, I'm going to go through their catalog. I bet you there's a common <laughs> oh, there has <laughs> to be. <laughs> there has to be. There's a lot of, uh, and it's going to be much more clever than what I came up with. Weirdly enough, there's a lot of Western characters here too. It's Elsa and Spider-Man Three. They're here. That oddly, yeah, sounds like something you would find. I think you could probably get by on like something, uh, like the next generation robot, like Jism or something like that. Could work. I don't know. My Toku name. <laughs> mm. I'm here for it. With that. Thank you for your help, David. I really just thought that this was for good you're, boys. You're you are welcome. Um, apparently, uh, just browsing here, Spandexer is a series. Okay, yeah. naturally. Um, that seems to be a semi recent one. What number is that? Twenty seven. Is There's she always the star of the series? Yes, but it seems to be a different person. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Like Doctor Who. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You you could pass on the mask, you know. You probably have to tap out though. I mean, that looks like she was really fighting crime hard. Oh, she was fighting something, all right. I mean, you know, hate to sin, not the sinner, you know. That's how I always heard it, yeah, for sure. I knew this had a lot of series, but I was just like, hey, like, here's seven Super Sentai series and also a bunch of porn. Wow. I am perplexed, but we should trudge on toward <laughs> our Common Rider show before we get... Good call. Good call. Um, Before we're all on a list. Before you get added to a list. <laughs> episode 41. Also, the name for episode 41 of Spandexer, Capture Commences. <laughs> Weird. Last time on Cover Rider Fies, episode 40, we ended with the big triumphant moment. Takumi has joined the other two riders. They're all going to transform at the same time. And it's like a cool moment. It's in all the MVs of Cover Rider Fies. It's like in everybody's like forum signature. They're all like, yeah. And they fight. And um, what do you all think of this fight? Um, It's okay. Yeah, it. It wasn't what it's I expected. I, I honestly expected that to be a much bigger battle the first time we got to see all three of them with their belts at once. I liked how simple it was and also how like when they were fighting like they just like knocked back the other two and were just like at Kitazaki and they were just like all three pulling of out their knuckle dusters and punching <laughs> the shit out of him. Shooting him. Yeah that was cool when uh, when he got hit by uh, what's it called? He got hit by the the Mihara and then the other two just like knuckle dust punched him in the yeah. chest like that was cool and the way they like pull it out of their like side probably just like something very casual like we're beating your ass right now about it turns out when the riders are together they're invincible yeah and somehow work perfectly in sync even though one of them has barely fought and the other two hate each other's guts you know that's true but also they make some guy explode the belt does a lot of heavy lifting for Mihara. Must have to, yeah. yes. 
he got the strongest belt for a reason. <laughs> but then, so like, at this point is when like Mari's like running up and being like, oh, talk to me. Please don't run away. Go back with us. I want you back. And Kusaka's like, not all of us. Yeah, because of course he's always <laughs> a creep in the background. <laughs> not all of us want to back. Oh, man. Kusaka in this chunk is just peak hater who realizes he has he's like no ground to stand on at this point but he's just a hater yeah yeah he like he can't he can't pull the the wool over people's eyes anymore now he's just like you know some people don't like him like he's very much like i don't i don't like him why is he still at my not my house because technically it's (laughs) not his house so katero could let whoever he wants stay there i i wondered for so long why Takumi didn't do more to stand up for himself because he did have this constant onslaught of attacks but it kind of illustrates exactly why that's his style because he was just like well I don't have to prove anything this guy's eventually going to kind of out himself and that's exactly what starts to happen during this set of episodes. Even here like Mari and like Mihara are like man this guy fucking sucks. Yeah, Mari like actively tells him to back off several times, like in a way that she hasn't been capable of. <laughs> She's like, I don't give point. shit. And um Takumi agrees to come home over guitar. And then we see that Lucky Clover, um, Puma Psycho are holding up the injured Kitazaki after he exploded. And then like <laughs> Takuma smirks and like drops him and just like, dude, he's gonna kill the shit out of you. Yeah, he he got a moment where his balls dropped there for, you know, just a whole solid scene. And, like, he gets punched in the face. It's like, she starts to dissolve, but he's laughing. Um, When they're in the, the what's it called, in the the underground, like, walking passage yeah. to go under uh, mm-hmm. the road or whatever. Yeah, and um, just, I just love how bad Takuma is at, like, Haha, ha, you got beat up. Like, dude, this guy will still like fold you and kill you, and he hates yeah. you. He's such a pansy. And then the next scene is that, like, <laughs> I, every time I see Mahara and Rita, I just kind of laugh and be like, we're wasting time. But, um, <laughs> she like leaves the <laughs> hospital. She has like a cartoon head trauma bandage on. Yep. <laughs> All of Mahara's scenes, like, read like if you get like an episode on the backstory of like a villain before he turned into a villain like and like how he had a girlfriend in high school or something right mm. and they're not really that like they're just really boring <laughs> but then uh who wants to take uh when mari and how can we come home to Katero? oh it's it's such is a this, is this where he comes in the door and he just goes yes Yo. it's such a cute scene <laughs> he comes in the door and a uh, Katero just like instantly jumps on him um he's so stoked that his friend is home and this is the first time we really see like takumi kind of play with him a little bit like he smiles and he's happy for the welcome home and he tells him you know i'm i'm here i'm home like in this it, i guess it's supposed to look dramatic just because takumi's character but it's just kind of cute that like everybody's so excited for him to be there again and like katero like slips and falls and takumi's like looking down on him (laughs) because he's wearing his slippers like right on the edge of a step (laughs) just does this whole falling thing it's hilarious i mean poor katero but it was funny i'm here as long as you have me that's that's the second time he's taken a fucking dip this series 
I think we get another uh, shoot fall later on too, but yes, I, oh god, I, I, we'll talk about it when we get there. And the scene just made me think of the scene in Clerks Two, where that guy is like trying to make somebody who likes the Lord of the Rings movies like feel bad by saying that like man, Sam and Frodo fucked. <laughs> and just the way Takumi's just looking down at Katero here, be like, "I'm here." <laughs> it's okay, son. Daddy's home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and then we have the apartment as Yuka is baking in her little oven. Oh gosh. And Kaido, of course, is being such a dick. <laughs> she hands him a little cookie and he's like, It's too sweet. It's too sweet. And then he's like goes off on this rant about how the orphans don't need cavities. So you kind of uh, I literally wrote in my notes and here's Kaido being weird about the orphans again. <laughs> Yeah. And like he parkours down there. Like he like dramatically jumps down to be like, cookies, too sweet. Such an asshole. Yeah. Like what? He just like jumps off the railing. Like (laughs) it's like a big drop, too. Like I'm surprised they had him do it. Uh, You know, needs to show that he's young and reckless, you know? Mm -hmm. I guess so. But like he was phone raised and it gets all romantic music because Takumi. When calling and he smiles and says hey so if you have laundry it's on the house today <laughs> says thanks <laughs> and then Katero comes up behind Takumi like hugging him and saying like Takumi came home let's all meet up and celebrate and damn somebody got a ton of fodder from this scene they're like oh the way he smiles against the phone call oh I swear to god yeah day. there's so much tension in this whole scene because Takumi looks like so fucking excited to be talking to Kiba and Kiba is just so happy to be talking to him and he doesn't even mind when Kitaro comes up and just kind of manhandles him. He's just so excited that all of his boys are in one place. They took all of the on-site energy that these two had and turned it into just like romance. It's kind of wild. It's fucking amazing. It's like it's almost like a soap opera. You're just waiting for the now kiss moment. I mean, which has happened several times already, but it keeps getting more intense. Whenever they're at the batting cages is actually a like sex scene of this uh, verse. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> but so then we get like uh, the detectives are back and the young detectives like Oh, this one girl that was at the basketball massacre of 03. Also at this orphanage. Weird. And then like the spirit Halloween gacked guy walks in. What is this guy? What is his deal? He looks like a character from fucking The Matrix. He looks (laughs) like he's got the sunglasses and the John Woo extra. Yeah, the fucking leather long duster and every like he seriously looks like he stepped out of some weird like dystopian Keanu Reeves movie and he like has this low voice and he's supposed to be all super cool. And I'm just sitting here going, what is this guy's deal? Seriously, this this is immediately what it reminded yeah, I me can of see that this fucking photo of extra Japan. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Is he one of the members? Because he legitimately looks like he could no, fit No, but he right looks in? like the yes. dude on the right. He looks like the Japanese like dub voice actor for Kyle McLaughlin at Twin Peaks. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, so like, who is he? Because good question. Like the actor, because I swear to fucking God, I've seen him before. 
Yes, I thought the same thing. I'm going to look him up because I was like, when I saw this dude, I was like, guy. Yeah, it, I feel like whenever I saw him before, he probably didn't have. He's been in something. Yeah, I don't watched. think he had the long hair because I think that's what kept throwing me off about his face. But I cannot remember where I've seen him before. Okay, he's in Comrade Agito, which we haven't watched. He's in Comrade Kabuto. He's in Comrade Kiva. He's in Comrade Kabuto. That might be where I know him from. Where was he in Kiva? Oh, I have to find the character because it wasn't linked really. What's what's the actor's name? Hatsushi Oagawa. I'm gonna. Okay, that name sounds extremely familiar. Is he the dude? Is he the dude from Garo? That's uh, definitely maybe. That would make sense. And if I've seen him twice, that explains why I looked at him and was like, "I know you. I don't know how I know you, but I know you." Um, if you remember this guy, he was like the. Uh, guy in Kiva staff who was like doing the painting that got destroyed yes yeah okay that explains exactly why I remember him that was one of my favorite storylines I'm not finding much of him he's got such a distinctive face he's been in a lot of common writer series he was in 40 episodes of Agito so like he's he's in Changeron oh oh shit is he? Is he? He's, he's Shogo. He's, he's Shogo from Changeron. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. I'm like, I'm like, why? Why does he look so familiar? What the fuck? There's like 20 people that have their like fingers ready to oh hit send God. on a tweet to tell us where we've seen this dude before. We got it. Everybody, please. <laughs> of course, he was Gazer. And now I cannot yeah. see it. <laughs> that's terrifying. Oh my god. This Wikipedia page is missing so much of the Comrade Wiki. He's the dude. He loves fucking old chess trivia or whatever. Man. Uh, time for you to start being a contributor, Kip. Wikipedia needs you. Yeah, I should say this guy was in change. <laughs> no kidding. Man, of course this is why this guy comes in and like his whole thing is like being androgynous, but also like like very like authoritative. He's like yeah, I'm like, I'm like, why is this guy just like he just like controls everything? Yeah, he's, he's got in. a weirdly like why. domineering sexual energy that you don't even want to like him, but you kind of can't take your eyes off of him. I found it weird because like he's just kind of introduced, right? And I'm like, who is this guy? Because like the way that they're playing him makes him feel like he should be super right. important. And I think it's just the actor, right? Legitimately, yeah. one of the one of the things on my um my notes for this episode was to ask you guys, has he shown up before and I just missed it? Because it legitimately felt like it was something like he walked in and you were supposed to know who he was, what his intentions were, like how yeah. he fit into all this. And I was like, I missed a big plot point somewhere. So you're right, Dave. He's a major character in like, he's like one of the main side characters in Kamen Rider Agito. That's incredible. Maybe that's why like he was there before being gay. <laughs> People were like, oh yeah, this character in 40 episodes of like one common rider show versus in like 30 of Chatron. But still, he's incredible. Oh my god. Remember when he was like referenced in like um Dawn Brothers 2, David? Like something about that? Uh maybe I never saw that episode, but sure. We talked about how like there was some like in the Dawn Brothers movie, he's the director of the Dawn Brothers movie or something, you remember? It was a while back. Oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. I do recall this conversation. 
Damn. Good job, everyone. I can't believe we pulled that together, but you know what? Now that I'm like looking him up and seeing all the things he's been in, I'm like, yeah, there's actually a lot of shit I've seen this guy in. He's just that good of an actor. And I bet he's been in more, just probably I bet the the English IMDb and stuff is not like 100% oh, yeah. accurate. Like I bet he's been in smaller roles and stuff too. Yeah, because everything I'm pulling together, like every site has a different set of credits for him. So the dude's just been all over the place. Because he um did not show up in any common writer show when I looked on the English IMDb. So that's probably it too. So it's just super mixed. But it happens. Damn. And he has a that's crazy. Instagram for making recipes with his daughters. <laughs> and he has Canadian citizenship. Okay. He's the what perfect a guy. man. What a guy. Al- already. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. How could you go wrong? Oh, uh, fuck. Um, so. So that's episode 41. So guys. he shows up. <laughs> so fucking Gazer from Changer Odd shows up, says, everybody stop your investigations. It's not relevant. Whatever he says. He's just like. Here to stop things, and he's dressed all crazy. He's dressed like a member of X Japan, like that's what he looks like. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then like he sees a picture of Yuka and is like, "Oh, what about her?" And we cut to her looking at small animals as she's on a date with Katero and Kaido, <laughs> as one does. Yeah, that's when Psycho's with the prez being like, "Oh, like Kitazaki's downtrodden because he lost a fight." Then like he's like, "Oh, it's okay." The three belts are no easy task. And then like it's revealed here that they were made to destroy Orphanox to protect the king. Yes. He says something like, oh, well, you lost because like Lucky Clover needs a fourth member. And then Psycho like from orbit says, what child do you think is worth joining Lucky Clover now? (laughs) It's a pretty good dig, though. I mean, she's quite literally telling him the last four people you've picked have been teenagers can we maybe try to find someone with some experience yeah mr j just like had a dog he was pretty cool yeah they need yeah. someone on his level and his solution is yuka because she's been killing a ton of people without being noticed and like, oh, i mean that's probably a good skill to have actually i mean she has been yeah but she's also another child <laughs> yeah she's like 16 yeah, that was like her sophomore class that she took out when she threw that tantrum. Like, <laughs> she's not a grown woman by any means. Lest we forget, these are all a bunch of children who are running a business and fighting off monsters without any adult supervision. If you, like, take away people who were bullying her or trying to assault her, she actually hasn't killed that many people. Maybe, like, one. No, truly. And I'm, I, I would be the first one to jump on her side and be like, they all deserved it. It's fine. But she has killed a lot of people. (laughs) It's not her fault a motorcycle gang showed up and demanded her, like, pay them back for using their mattress in the middle of a debated factory. That's very true, yeah. That's true. That's true. That did happen. Happened to all of us, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no. Uh, (laughs) But um, she's like, with the boys giving baked goods and juice to the orphans, no other adults are around. It really is really suspect how they are here so much without anybody watching them or any yeah. release forms. The fact that they're just like, yeah, we're going to bring baked goods that have been cooked somewhere where you have no supervision and we could have put anything into these cookies and give them to your little unsupervised children. Yeah, they're just like, man, these orphans, if they want to get like new parents, 
need some fentanyl. I don't know. Jared from Subway is just banging his head against a wall right now because he's like, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I just go to an orphanage with cookies? He tried with his sub, his footlong, but, uh, you know. He should have led with the cookies. His pants are so big, you could take so many kids for anyone else. <laughs> just walk off uh, in his pants. Uh, uh, that's terrible. Well, um, yeah. But um, God damn it. We went off on another rail. Kano sees that Taro is alone and tries to give him some cookies, but then gets told to leave. And by that, I mean hit by leaves and punched. <laughs> um, and then, like, Yuka shows up and establishes dominance by showing her panties. I think happens weirdly enough. Yeah, that's what how it looks. Yeah, I what the fu- yeah okay. I don't know what the fuck was yeah, going. Yeah, it on looks here. like she's just flashing him fever, for lack of better <laughs> word, and being like, yeah. now you have to cooperate." And he's just like, "Yeah, I'm hypnotized. <laughs> it's fine." Like, what is happening here? That is what happened, right? Like, I'm not crazy. That's how it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like she gets pushed and he's like still yelling it like hit her out. So she pulls her skirt up. Is like, Hero. and then he's like, okay. Yeah, suddenly he's docile. It's really strange. <laughs> yeah, it is really bizarre. Yeah, it is odd to say the least. I I could see that working on like Kaido, but that tiny little child. I don't see any reason why he'd have any interest whatsoever in what was happening there. I think some things are just like intimidating. I guess. I mean, I, that would have been my response. Like, okay, well, you've made your point. I'm not going to hit people anymore. Yeah, please stop flashing me. <laughs> please. <laughs> please, please, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, as they're leaving, like, Kato says, yeah, that kid won't open up to anyone. But then the like, Kato's like, I don't know. And then he and Yuka share a smile. This goes nowhere. It's going nowhere. It's just a very weird moment. Yeah, because... Then she turns around and looks at the kid and kind of like half smiles at him while he's just kind of staring at her. But you just know he's staring at her thinking, I hope to God she keeps her skirt down. Like, please don't do that to me ever again. <laughs> like, that's a trauma smile he gives her. Yeah, they trauma bonded. It's it is it is really weird. The detective was watching all this. and decides, I'm not going to arrest her. But when I get a call from Gowser, I guess I'll come to this like. Common Rider Quarry Cave and see their lab. Oh, such a weird space, too. Just like Gowser goes this time, but they have this crab in like a tank and they're like monitoring. Yeah, in like a, an abandoned like salt factory mine. Like it's it's weird. Like he's just in. So, okay, hang on. Why did the police have a secret underground base that is like studying Orphanox? Like that's really, this has not been a plot point and you're bringing this up at like the final hour right. of this series, which is really weird. I forgot that the detectives came back, but like in the last chunk, they did mention that there was like a special squad, but special squad doesn't imply you have like 300 like SWAT team members and like a, a like hidden base, you know, I guess like it's not, it's not necessarily that they built it though, right? Because it looks like it's supposed to be the Ryusei school, like the remains of the mm-hmm. Ryusei school. Because like when they're taking, um, this happens later, but when they're taking Yuka down like the the fucking um, hallway there, it looks like a school hallway. So I assume that that's where it is. Like the police have found the old school and now they're like used it for their nefarious purposes. 
that's what I'm thinking too, especially in light of what starts to come out our last couple of episodes for this series. So I think that that is definitely leading somewhere. But I also think it's weird that this is a um, a squad that is like working closely with, if not like a part of and sanctioned by the police force, but are being funded privately. I I was kind of confused about how all that ends up working out, which maybe we'll come across in the next five episodes. Maybe we won't because that's some bureaucratic bullshit. But I I was just really curious about kind of how this would have been something that like was so under the radar for so long. I think it's either like an old smart brain lab that they're given to work in or it's like Ninja Turtle rules where it's like if you go underground, sometimes you find a cool place to live. Maybe. Yeah. Sometimes you find some weird shit. Yeah, and you can order pizza there. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I love that that's all like the logic me and David need. Like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle rules. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but back to the main cast. As Takubi and Kiba watches the boys and Mario and Yuka are on a roller coaster and looking at flamingos and giraffes and tigers. And it's just like, oh, this is just like a little triple date with the love triangles yeah which is funny because takumi and kiba seem to have the best date out of everybody uh just kind of staring at everyone else having fun like i feel like they're much more overtly together than like most characters that get shipped like this in these shows (laughs) yeah they're like stopping short of holding hands like that's how tight they are yeah um and then katero just has the worst day (laughs) because <laughs> he's like oh you like to cook Osada I'd love to try it and she doesn't notice and like goes to pick the onions from like Kaido's pasta but then Kaido's like I don't like onions either she's like don't be picky you're on a child deal with it yeah <laughs> Mari's so proud that Takumi's home like he's a dog keep us smiling and saying like oh like I need to overcome every trouble and Takumi's like I'm not that great I pale in comparison to you oh yeah so sweet. I was waiting for him to hand him a flower. It was so tender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little bit like when you said that these two were like shit pretty hard at the start, I'm like, ah, I don't really see it now. I holy shit, how could you not? Yeah. Like there's always people that will ship intense relationships, but I was like, oh yeah, sure. They have like a lot of intense relationship. I didn't remember how much they were just like flirting all the time at a certain point. We've watched several series now where there ha- have felt like there was some kind of undercurrent, and in some cases, with some overt ones, like we did see a teenager who was taking a shower with a grown man at some point. Oh yeah, that did happen, didn't it? This has been the most like blatantly flirtatious baiting that I have seen up to this point. Like, there's no way you can mistake the like looks and interactions with each other, and it's hilarious like it gets more intense the further it goes so i'm really excited to see what happens our uh last five episodes here because i feel like it's quite literally leading to one of these uh soft core porn scenes we were just talking about uh uh and then what does kusika do guys to be a hater from a third table <laughs> uh a hater from a third table. he's just like sitting there Such and he's like dick. oh you guys are so cute with your with your get you know um how do i say what does he say how sweet he's like two orphanox so in tune with each other he's like makes me sick 
<laughs> he's sitting by himself in a like third table we didn't see with a hat over his face like he's like a a like old school like showa guy or a cowboy or something yeah just he's got his face covered from the sun and that's the only time we've seen him this entire set of like clips he hasn't shown up in any of the like ride <laughs> yeah. clips or the people talking or eating none of that why would you why would you bring him he just he, yeah exactly that's always my thing with him like I know he loves to share a, show up places and like creepily stare from the background. He wasn't this time. He was sitting in the middle of everybody. Who invited him first off? Maybe they were all getting ready to go and he just like did not come. He was like, yeah, I'll come too. Because <laughs> uh, they're too nice at the cleaners probably. Yeah, probably. And like this leads like Takbi looking super upset and like horror music playing. And then like he gets pictures that by Mari and then we get the next scene and it's not really referenced why Takumi was so horrified there but um the young detective is lurking and like kind of like just like ignoring Yuka and yawning and she goes to feed him and that's when Kato's like oh do you like Kaido she says yes I love him and it was like <laughs> shocked uh and then he texts his pen pal who happens to be Yuka and he's like my heart got broken I'm so sad <laughs> she's like maybe you should be more not more aggressive, like assertive. more uh, upfront, assertive. Yeah. assertive. That's what the more word. threat. And then he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, still a threat, Kater. <laughs> more of a predator." Uh, but no. Um, she tells him maybe he should just grab her hand to hold her hand. Yeah, just grab uh, her hand. So of course he puts down his phone and he tries to do that, and she flips the fuck out on him. <laughs> she like punches him in the face. <laughs> Oh god, it's hilarious. And then goes running off because she's so offended that how dare he after she's the one that suggested it. And he's like screaming, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Because to him, he's horrified. Like, he always tries to be such a perfect gentleman. I really thought that he knew by now that she liked Kaido at this point. They had their whole, like, crossover double date already 20 episodes ago. It's been pretty obvious. Right. I thought that had happened, but maybe it didn't. Maybe you don't understand. I don't know. But um, then like when Yuka runs, she gets creeped on by Saiko. She's like, hey, don't be scared. I love how much you kill people. And she's like just grabbing her hair bisexually. You know, she can't read a room. I've noticed is she that's a pretty consistent problem for Saiko. I think her only weapon is like her sensuality older sister or seduce and sometimes at the same time dominatrix yeah i mean <laughs> i'm here for it yeah i mean i like her a lot <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong it would uh, work 100 percent. whatever you say mistress yes the older sister or the seducer whatever you know what kip why don't we just all mind our own business around here and not judge okay okay uh <laughs> But then um, <laughs> Yuka like gets attacked by this like frilled lizard like Orphanoc. Was Is that what he is? Yeah. Thank you. That was my I question. Thought he was like some too. weird sea Yeah, it creature. was such a weird like it came out of nowhere too. I can usually like get a vague idea from the designs. This one I was struggling with. Yeah, like his head is like a frilled lizard. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. It's the things off to the side that are throwing me. Okay, the the shield has, yeah, the shield has a lizard head. Yeah, I, I get it if I look at it, like, overall and I know what it's supposed to be, but 
legitimately looking at that and the way the things are coming off the ears, that really threw me off to what it was meant to represent. Okay, yeah. neat. He fights Takumi and Kusaka, who come up, and then they do the coolest finisher ever to him. Like his kill cam is like top rated, like I'm a writer, I think. And he gets he gets yep. fucked up. He gets like the sword dash from like Kaiza and then like the rider kick from Fies, and they like cross over and like phase in next to each other. Mm-hmm. And then Yuka gets fucking shooting gallery. Like. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's when we find out, like, just how much she's being chased. Yeah. <laughs> she gets absolutely ridden. I, this was so weird, right? Because, like, the police really haven't been involved with this story. Mm-hmm. And then, no. like, Yuka's running away. All of a sudden, like, 15 yeah. cop cars, dudes with riot shields and, like, all this stuff show up. And you're like, what the hell? She got, like, GTA 5 starred on that. Like, all of a sudden, there's, like, <laughs> tanks rolling up and helicopters. Like, this is some bullshit for her. And they all have, like, MP5s and massive staffs and, like, tear gas guns. It was incredible. So they tear gas her. They tear gas her in the uh, the culvert. She goes back to find the culvert. I don't know why they keep ending up at this culvert. They must have been like, hey, this is a yeah. cool place that we've scouted out. Let's use it a million times. But she she's in the fucking culvert and she gets like surrounded and then they just unload on her, which I'm like, this is kind of dangerous because you're you're in crossfire. Mm-hmm. Like if you miss her, you're gonna shoot a cop on the other side of the culvert, you mm-hmm. idiot. But they just unload on her. They just rifles, pistols, whatever. They tear gas her as well. Yeah. And she like starts to like make her way through. She's like, I guess I'll use my big finisher and kill a bunch of cops. Oh, it's crazy, yeah. She ends the episode being quarter, and like that's how episode like forty two broken wings starts. Yeah, she's just like running away. Kiba's a gas, and then that's when she runs away because she doesn't know what just happened. But they like are gonna arrest her. They know who she is apparently. Yeah, and they they like surround her. They corner her in a really like it, that was one of those situations where I was like, yeah, if I was a bad guy i'd be panicking right now too because they are quite literally like everywhere she turns there's people firing off at her (laughs) and like it's even like a different thing because like in japan police don't love their guns the same way american police do or like even like canadian police probably do which is what made these scenes so surprising because they are like unloading like american style on her So you have to remember the context that this is a little bit earlier in history here. So it's not the way that the police is portrayed now, because this would have been what early two thousands. It's like twenty years ago. Yeah, two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, I could see that. So were the police just like shooting more in the two thousands? I don't know if they're shooting more, but they're definitely packing more. <laughs> no, fair enough. But they were still using like stuff like they were still using like six shooter revolvers up until the 2000s at least. Yeah, like I think uh, one of the main characters in um, Kuga uses like a revolver the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it was like it, it it was like standard issue for police for a long, long time before they switched over to Glocks. I mean, less people have guns <laughs> probably helps. It's true. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but so. Who wants to take the uh, scene at dinner, though, with Katero and Takubi after this, though? <laughs> I've got this. I, I This is the one I made in extensive notes about. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So after 
uh, Yuka, she gets fired on, and then she, tra- I don't think we covered this part, so I'm just going to do a real brief summary. Um, transforms, takes out all the police. Kiba sees what she's done, so she realizes he's seen. She freaks out, runs off, he chases after her. Um, and then we go to what I've called the laundromat gang. They're having dinner, and um, they kind of look around and they notice Takumi's not eating. So Kusaka, great guy that he is, is just like, oh, well, that's because you're worried about your orphanoc friend. He's talking about Yuka. And he tells Mari, there's a war coming between the orphanocs and the humans. <laughs> so uh, then um, as they're kind of all just having their feelings about that Kitaro I thought very reasonably points out that hey Takumi became an orphanoc any of us possibly could and they all look at him like he's grown a third head it's the most intense scene because everybody's just so horrified and they're just staring at him with their mouths open and he's like what did I say something wrong he's too sweet for this world yeah I mean that's kind of the implication right Yeah, and I mean, I can't believe that he was the first person to think of that. It's so weird how, like, that wasn't something that anybody else even considered, especially Mari with everything that she's been through. She's been dead twice. This is her third time alive. This is her third life. You would think that that would click something for her, like, hey, maybe I'm not entirely human, because I think all the rest of us have caught on to that. Yeah, big, like, oh, I don't mind if your kid's gay, but my kid won't be gay vibes from this. Yeah. Hate it. And like in the next scene, like Kaido is actually kind of being a little realistic when he's like, you attacked the police. I'm out of here. Turn yourself in. <laughs> yeah. He's like, nah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird because that's the first scene that we really get of kind of him and Kiba almost switching roles. Because for the first time, Kiba's the one that's like, hey, no, sit down and shut up. You don't know what happened. And like being the one that says, well, maybe we actually do have to kind of kill people a little bit. (laughs) Maybe we can do just a little bit of murder. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of murder. It's okay. We're just going to get a little high. We're just going to do a little bit of murder. You know, some of those that are on forces do burn crosses. Um, I I did find it funny that all of a sudden I'm like all cops, all cops. Yeah, man. like <laughs> this is a this is a, at the end of the series. All of a sudden the police show up and guess what? Yeah. They're bad. Yeah, I I seriously had like an A cap moment. I'm not gonna lie. I was just like you go girl. But I I I kind of get where Kaido's coming from. Like she's bringing down a lot of unnecessary heat. But Kiba's also kind of right in that that heat was gonna come one way or the other regardless. So. Well, now that we know that they have an evil fucking, you know, <laughs> an evil science lab. Let's fucking torture people out of what is happening to them lab. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's okay. What she did wasn't that bad. I'm just going to be the first one to say it. And we see the like crab guy that they have. He's like, his hand turns human. He's like, he's like rocking back and forth and getting more like sleeping stuff in his like his tank. Um, but then, um, yeah. Yeah. So before we could tell what he really was, I labeled him the bath orphanoc in my notes because it looks like <laughs> all the monsters that are in the facility are in bathtubs. I'm sorry. I'm not that creative, but <laughs> I called him the bath orphanoc. Um, but yeah, that was one of my notes that like you already start to see in the background, there might be some weird shit happening in this lab. 
It's a really Definitely. cool scene. <laughs> just some? Just, just a, a little, little bit. bit. Just just like getting a little high, doing a little bit of murder. There's just a little bit of weird shit. Just a, just a little bit. Um, but this like crab guy's like a Frankenstein. Like he, like he's either had like half of his shell removed or has a like artificial half of the shell because he's like not symmetrical at all. No, yeah. yeah, he's something's wrong with him. He looks like he's cobbled together with parts. That was my first thought before we get like deeper into it was that maybe they were trying to create their own kind of orphanage. And maybe that's what he... That was kind of what was implied to me as well. Yeah, yeah. They're up to some nefarious shit. This is where the detective is brought in by Gowser. It's like, oh, there's a war brewing. And we're just like trying to turn them back human. Right. But then also says like, we have yet to be successful, which automatically, when you watch these kind of shows, you hear somebody say that, you're like, oh, you're the bad guy. We briefly see the older detective working. It's not really that important. Um, but then Mari's with her salon friend. Such a weird throwaway scene. Yeah. And Mari's with her salon friend who's that detective's daughter. And like, friend's like, oh, I might go to college. And then Mari's just like, I'm going to become an orphan dog. I'm going to become an orphan dog. She sees something in the mirror and freaks <laughs> out. And then uh, Takumi and Kiba meet at their favorite date spot, the batting cages. And, uh, that's a great name for a like fucking gay bar, by the way. The batting cages, the batting cages. Honestly, it's perfect. But anyway, then uh, Kiba is telling Takumi that Osada's going to turn herself in, and they feel like it's the best thing to do because they're all about protecting the humans and their humanity. And Takumi's like, uh, "Don't doesn't really sound like a great <laughs> idea to me." But he's like well, you'll do what you want. And he's like, well, if she's going to turn herself in, I want to be there. And he's like, well, you're going to do what you want. So, of course, they smile and giggle at each other as usual and go on their merry way. I didn't love Kiba here because it felt like he was kind of telling Yuka what to do or what was best in a way where she she was going to be under the knife, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, these these episodes, he's kind of like unleashing an entirely new personality, which isn't unpleasant, but it's different and i am still deciding how much i like how aggressive he can be sometimes Mm -hmm. and then um that's when mari is talking to kusaka about what if we're all orthodox i mean i thought that that was like kind of accepted now like i guess they're they haven't considered it but like yeah he does explain it afterward he's like oh yeah they injected us with the fucking gene but he says he escaped yeah even though he's quite literally in the flashback under the knife. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he escapes and that's why he has his memory. He escaped. Maybe. Cause they said he's like, Oh, they wiped our memories. And it's like, well then why do you remember? Well, cause you know, he's the common rider. Like you escape before you lose your memories. <laughs> Plot convenience. I don't know. I, I've always kind of suspected that he's a little bit, more on the inside of that than we've been led to believe so far and maybe that's why he's so weirdly defensive about everything well i mean okay i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to bring up the flashback where he literally looks at his hand and just sees blood everywhere that's true yeah we we have established that he does have some deep trauma issues also so (laughs) some some ptsd oh for sure yeah yeah poor todd shoes dad no it's his mom that shoes never mind Uh, his mom issues, mom issues. Yes. we don't know what happened to his dad 
He has mommy issues. <laughs> <laughs> mommy issues might be the subtitle here. <laughs> mommy issues. Oh my I think god. So. <laughs> we got it, guys. We cracked the case again. Once again, please don't add us on Twitter. We're good. Oh my god. Mommy issues. Ugh. Maybe that's the shirt for I don't know. Wow. Please, yes. Wow. Please. Let's make it our summer fit. Yeah, mommy issues. Oh god. The hot baseball tee for summer reds. <laughs> 2023, we're all healing from our mommy issues. Common <laughs> uh, rider crab orphanog. Next. Oh, I'm fucking <laughs> now Yuka's trying to leave, or like Kaido's trying to leave, and he's not nice to Yuka and won't take her on a date. Yeah, okay, so I actually have a pretty good set of notes on this one. Uh, Kaido decides he's going to pack up and leave because Asada's brought too much heat. She says, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take me on a date. And he immediately is like, huh, do you know where my ear cleaner is? And tells her to quit wasting time and then just completely blows her off. At which point she sits off in the corner and decides she's going to text who she doesn't know is Kitaro again. And share her dream with him. And what is her dream, Steph? She wants to hold the hand of someone she loves across uh, stones that can be as big as mountains and puddles that can be as big as oceans. And no matter how hard it gets, they're going to always be together. And thank you, Kitaro, for being so sweet to me. And she, this is transposed over her riding a bus to what we eventually find out is the police station. She's going to go ahead and turn herself in without any of the boys there to assist her. And just her whole thing about like, oh, I want to walk and there's puddles as fast as oceans and pebbles mm-hmm. under the mountains, but I'd never let go of his hand. And like the way Kato is like, oh, it's a beautiful like dream. Never let go of the hand of the person you love. And he like, it shows this, it, it's such a sweet thing. He like, Puts his cell phone up to his chest and hugs it close. And you could be like, he's in the middle of work. This shouldn't be something he's concerned himself with. But that's just the type of guy he is. Like, his pen pal texted him. So he's going to text back immediately, even though he's in the middle of something. And he gets really caught up in the moment. And you get, like, this uh, additional kind of confirmation about what kind of guy Kitaro is. And kind of just, you know, why he's so great to have around. Because he's always going to be that person in your corner regardless of what your relationship with him is. And like, he did kind of fumble the bag on this one because she wanted to meet him. And then he was like, oh, let's go creep on a customer. <laughs> yeah, you can't get him all right. I mean, he's a sweet guy, but he's also a pretty weird dude. What can you do? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's very true. And we've all been weird dudes before. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I'm going to put us back on track here. So then Takumi and Kiba return to the apartment. They're looking for her, of course. And uh, when they when <laughs> Kiba says, Kaido, where is she? He's like, I can't find my ear cleaner. He is still on the fucking ear cleaner after all this time. Uh, so then Takumi happens to notice that there's a typed letter on their coffee table, which happens to be from her. And Osada is telling them, hey, I'm going down to the police station. You know, I, I'm going to take care of this, essentially. And she goes into the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a quick scene where the young detective gets a note that <clears throat> the people 
<clears throat> that there are people who know who she is that want to meet with him. I can't remember exactly what the context of that was. That they made it sound important enough for the young detective to rush off and go to this meeting instead of uh, following up on her turning herself in. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is there that um, that's when Takumi and Kiba come to the apartment and see Kaido is just hanging out looking for his for cleaner. cleaner. Right. Um, um, yeah, so they, they go, the, the police guy gets a letter and he's like, oh, hey, you know, people want to talk to you. Then it skips to showing them like taking Yuka into the evil laboratory basement. And I love, I, I love the shot of like, they get to an elevator and it opens up in the most like change around ass way. Now that I know he's from change around, he's just like standing there like, ha 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 Yeah. It had such great like soap opera villain vibes to it. I, I really enjoyed that scene. And mm-hmm. yeah, she does awesome. a perfect shocked face. Like she doesn't know who he is, but she just knows she's shocked by seeing him on the other side of that door. Yeah. I mean, I would be. Look at that yeah. guy. And the way he's like clutching his arms behind his back is so like textbook villain in the best way mm-hmm. he's got them like weirdly interlaced behind his back yeah he leans into it really well he's such he's such a good villain like actor mm-hmm. no he's perfect here loved him in change Ron. good in this from there i think this is where we get um the um oh uh the young detective learns that takubi akiba are orthodox but they tell him like they're asking him for a threesome <laughs> It's a very <laughs> strange moment. What they say is that they're willing to trade their bodies for Asada's <laughs> body. For hers. And yeah. of course, he looks very interested and intrigued by this offer because two for the price of one? Mm-hmm. What can you do? I mean, yeah, he's like, oh man, he'll be so proud of me. <laughs> Um, but then we immediately switch to this really traumatic scene, honestly, where uh, they've got uh, Yuka strapped to this table and they're about to start running the experiment. And apparently the experiment is just like driving a whole fuck ton of electricity <laughs> into these people. Shooting you with lightning. It, like purple lightning, which I've heard is even more severe than purple rain. Thank you, friends. And we have to just really admire how willing she was to just let out an earth-shaking scream that knocked out the power for half of Japan. It had to have. I have a question, though. What's your question, David? Um, my question is, you know, so she's, like, strapped to the table, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what purpose do the studs on the straps have? <laughs> <laughs> I had that written down. I was hoping someone would ask, because I didn't... I. I felt like it was something that I was missing. Like, I'm too dumb to understand this. I'm so glad someone else asked. Like, where they're just like, we need straps. Uh, I don't know. Go to, like, Japanese Hot Topic or something and pick up some straps. How to Topic. I know the sex shop in Akihabara. You know, they'll, they'll have something. <laughs> I think it was just, hey, guys, it's 2003. Let's live with it. Let's deal with this. Let's get our... That's the vibes, right? Sure. Okay. The police force is short on handcuffs. Go to Hot Topic, and all of a sudden, all the cops have those fuzzy plastic handcuffs. (laughs) (laughs) Hold still, Takumi. (laughs) How come all of our pepper spray is those like weird tiny vibrators that you buy in high school and giggle about? And it's not even really pepper. It's like this mildly minty, like luby smell. It's so weird. 
<laughs> it's a good point. Those studs do nothing. They aren't really good for like. <clears throat> she's not like in like a medieval fight. She's being held to a gurdy. Right. Yeah. It's it's just it it was very out of place. Right. So yeah. I was like, huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. But all right. Sure. Why not? No. Yeah. Um. I put a very rough design in the chat for, uh, but I'll a, a, like better design for people who want to support the Trevor project. <laughs> I, buy a shirt. I I will say that if we, um, if somebody does contribute a design and we end up going with it, I will not only buy the t-shirt, I will buy myself another blanket that has this and our logo on it because I enjoy my first one so much. One of the things that we haven't done on our uh, places is like, you can get like Converse printed. So like mommy's shoes Converse. We could have that. Uh, oh man. Uh, yeah. I'm buying two pairs. But no. Um, so the crab bust in is like, why are you in studded wraps? <laughs> 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 well, there's some kinky shit going on in here. <laughs> this is too kinky for me. Osada. Um, and then mm-hmm. like, What's kind of weird because he kind of just comes in and like pushes the scientists. Like he doesn't really attack them so much as like kind of knocks everybody out of the way and uh <laughs> Yeah, and like runs to Osada and then by then uh creepy guy is like watching from the background and like making his escape as only someone high ranking can do, but it's it's a really confusing scene honestly. There's just so many things happening. And like as he's carrying or out like oh like Takumi and Kiba get called but also like he gets like stopped by police he gets shot a ton mm-hmm. gets back up kills a ball there's a great thing where like Mahara and Rin tell Kuzika hey we started the work at the orphanage he's like I don't care guys and just goes back to watching his bike that's <laughs> <laughs> so on brand like I love how Mahara and Rin could just be ADR but they're in a bunch of seats instead they're yeah, I mean, they're the most pointless couple on this show. I mean, there are a lot of people in relationships in this particular series that we have to deal with. Those two are the most unnecessary, super unnecessary out of everyone, because mm. especially in this scene, I quite literally have in my notes. Why? Why was this a thing? Because it like it doesn't even pay off till like two or three episodes later and only in a very minor way. Like there is nothing for this. There's no reason for it. I wish their time got spent elsewhere because there's like definitely characters who could use it. But um, mm-hmm. I definitely forgot. Like in my mind, in Comrade 5 is what happens is all three writers get together and they transform like, like the start of this episode or mm-hmm. like chunk. Mm. And then it's the final episode. So I didn't remember a lot here, but they're here I guess I mean for better or worse but it's definitely for worse because they're the two most boring people in this series no uh true <laughs> yeah it's it's very weird like they don't they're there but they don't get developed enough to be useful right. but for some reason they're still like semi plot critical so they still have to show up they keep showing up yeah it's weird they're like the NPCs you can't murder or the main quest fails, but they also don't like have any plot line. I, I wish that like somebody else was Delta, so maybe that could be finished. But like, it's like this weird quarter of the paper. Like, oh, we don't want Kaido to have too much responsibility. Yeah, 
Right. They're like they're like children in a Bethesda game. They're there, but they don't actually really do but anything. But you're not allowed to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> sorry for that turn. I would love if somebody in this like show died and it was like mission failed, mission failed, mission failed. <laughs> but no. Um. So Takumi and Kiba find Yuka, and Takumi follows the crab. As Kiba starts being surrounded by more cops, he's like, well, it's time to murder. Yeah, this is such a cool scene, though, to be honest, because um, when they arrive, the crab guy is kind of like, he's almost trying to take care of her in a way. Like, he's yeah. he's trying to pick her up and, like, keep her going. But finally, when they arrive and, and kind of take over picking her up, he's like, uh, take care of her and then runs off and Takumi follows him so this kind of splits them for the next couple of battle scenes that are about to happen Um, so then Kiba gets surrounded by the goon squad there and he loses his shit like this is a side of Kiba we have not seen in this series up to this point we've seen him upset this is like he's infuriated like there this is a whole new level for him and he like he beats the shit out of exactly things. like he transforms and he turns into the hulk like he is just taken out humans left and right he, he doesn't give a fuck because he looks down at his friend and he sees that she's been hurt and he has nothing left in him to care about the humans right now he imagines they're all his ex-girlfriend and rightfully so because fuck her fair yeah. Kato is driving at a Dutch angle and swerves to avoid hitting the crab. <laughs> Critically, he doesn't sneeze, but he still calls Kusika to come kill the guy. Uh, so Kusika, come kill this guy, please. And that's when Mahara and Kusika show up and beat up the crab for a minute. But Takumi stops them. And then the crab walks a little bit and just dies. And then just dies. That was so yeah. sad. But it was it was such a, a funny scene because, or at least funny to me because as soon as like he pulled up and I saw uh Kuska like riding up, I knew exactly what was about to happen. Like Takumi was gonna come out of the woodwork and like have to fight against them and try to explain himself and that's exactly how this all played out. Let's be real here. Mihara's not really that much of a threat. No. The belt can only carry him so much. Yeah. Episode forty three, Red Balloon. Told you it came back. Um, you weren't wrong. Um, so Takumi powers down as he's like grappling with like Kuzika, and then that's when Mahara jumps in. And is like, oh, like let's hear him out. He's like, man, this Takumi guy seems like all the bad things you say, Kuzika, aren't true. <laughs> and they're like, okay, let's not fight. Um, and of course he's infuriated because how dare anybody question his assessment of the person that he's completely biased against? But he powers down too punches Mihara in the boy skin and then goes to like <laughs> punch Takumi but does it which seems like a real fuck you to Mihara but it kind of seems like he knows better like with Mihara he can get away with it with Takumi to Takumi could like have his dick in a box in in seconds and I think he like knows that deep down <laughs> yeah not much respect for Mahara here understandable no, not particularly yeah. And he has a speech that is like, hey guys, we're the three belts. We need to kill all the Orthodox that we see. We're on the brink of war. Figure out what side you're on. Yeah. We go back to the to the like apartment like rogues. And Kaido's like, Kiba, you attacked the police too? What were you thinking? 
he's devastated. Like, he has no one on his side at this point. <laughs> They've all lost their minds. It's not like he had much choice. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has lost their shit around him, and he has no idea what to do with himself. And he's just, like, saying all this stuff, like, they'll whip your whole body, they'll put some <laughs> shoes on you, flip you upside down, make you chug water. <laughs> flip you upside down, make you chug water is a pretty good punishment. It's such a bad day for him. I had a troublesome friend who was trying to make as much noise as possible. No worries. I remember one of the first times I ever recorded with you, your cat knocked over one of your guitars and it was like right next to the microphone. So up to that, like there's no noise anybody can make in your background anymore as it makes me go, huh, that's weird. That was true. There was a guitar knocked down right in the mic or something. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm sorry for any background noise people, but uh, this is real life. Get over it. I'll cut around it, but um, he does not want to be killed by the police because <laughs> I think Kaido knows about what's up. Least brutality at this point in his life. Yeah. But then we cut to the lab, which is like underlit, like green lighting under glass tiles. As like a scientist comes up to like Gowser and is like, we can confirm that the crab died, but don't know what happened to Yuka and Kiba's next. Um, and the younger detective is like, wouldn't this be human experimentation? And then as soon as he leaves, like you just hear Gowser say, yeah, we're definitely to kill that guy soon. <laughs> What does he say? He's like, he's like, they're not humans anymore. They're like as worthless as dirt or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. Shit, man. I also need you guys to understand that the tiles that that green light is coming up through are like those uh, mm-hmm. thick 80s, like sauna or shower room tiles. Yeah. Like the weird warpy glass. It's not something that you can easily see through. Yeah. It's very distorted. It's very opaque, which is fucking fun as hell to see on the screen but i just want you to have the perfect mental image it's not like this clean like straight through the glass no it's that distorted 80s like nice cloudy bullshit so there you go less so nowadays but the interior design work in tokusatsu is one of my favorite things it's always a treat to be like why is this like therapist living in a spanish villa absolutely what's going on here Sauda's apartment was perfect for that kind of analysis. <laughs> this dude is 14. He's living in the kind of apartment that you live in when you're like 68 and retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens next? Um, that could be keep a meet on the bridge as you could sleep in, in the trunk, in the backseat, not the trunk. That's the thing. And Kiba <laughs> says I'm wrong about humans. Different show. We can't coexist. That could be, That's not like you. At least like this isn't a big deal. Talk, and the Kiba's like, not a big deal. Maybe we're in luck after all. And then he asks, can Yuka live with you? Yeah. <laughs> and Katero's like, yeah, alright. Yeah. <laughs> she can live here as long as she wants. <laughs> Hell yeah. And of course, uh, Kusaka is just devastated by this because now he's surrounded by monsters no matter where he looks. He's like, he's like, not a, he's like, not a, not a fucking another one. Yeah, it, he quite literally says, I'm just not even going to say anything and walks out. He like does that teenage diva thing. Like, I'm just so done with you guys and like stomps off. And I guess he left college and has no dorm now. He just has to live there. I guess so. I guess. Why everyone wants to live at the laundromat is beyond me, but it seems to be the overarching theme for this series. Yeah. And there's plenty of space, says Kato. I was like, there's a bunch of people living here, dude. But then like, 
Mari notices that Yuka's not fine. He's like, let's take a bath. The kid was like, I'd love to. Gets punched. My my literal notes for this are, so that's why Mari doesn't like any of the 10,000 dudes that are pursuing her. Because this is a very, <laughs> we don't get very many girl-on-girl, like, inferences in these shows. They're mostly just, like, Takumi and Kiba-centric. This was the first time I was like, huh, that's not what gal pals do. They don't have milky toes and pop up and laugh and splash each other. I mean, they do when they're boning. It was like, it was weird. Like, I was like, okay, they're going to go and have like a fucking bath or whatever. And then we're not going to see it. But it's like, no, they just did it. And it's like, oh, no, they quite literally did the hashtag roommates thing. It was it was a lot. You knew I you knew I you change your on ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the first scene of their bath just an overhead shot and the water's all milky or whatever. And then like you just see some toes. And it looks empty and then they just pop out like a couple of Cthulhu's or something. Was this was this the prototype for show Geki Goldaigon? I'm absolutely convinced it had to be. Because we have a very similar scene in that show. <laughs> that show doesn't have characters. Though. No. Well, hey, I I just said the scene was similar. I didn't say anything <laughs> else was the same. Man, if if Takumi and Kibu were in Goraiga, they would just fuck immediately. Uh, that would happen. Probably. <laughs> Hashtag roommates. And then, like, they're, like, braiding hair. And, like, Kato's there, <laughs> even though he's not really welcome. Yeah. It's it's funny though because Mari is very um tolerant of Kedro in a way that I've noticed she isn't with a lot of the guys. Like she's very quick to put uh Kasuo or uh Takumi any of them in their place. Like she's very happy to do that, but with Kedro, she seems to have a really big like uh tolerance level for his shenanigans and it comes out here a lot. She has multiple guys with major crushes on him with major crushes on her for acting this way as a child. So I think maybe that's just her vibe. Yeah. just like helpful understanding. But yeah. Um, and like while she's braiding Yuka's hair, she's like, oh, and here's Katero's dream. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, don't tell her that. Uh, but Yuka's jealous because she doesn't have a dream. Even though she did say she had one last episode. Which is I was about to say, which is funny because I quite literally have notes with her in the last episode going pretty in depth about what her dream was. But I guess she feels like because theirs are more like uh, career or life centric that her silly dream about um, holding someone's hand is probably like not on the same level that they're talking about, which is funny because it would be the exact kind of thing that like Mari would get into if she (laughs) shared it. And like her dream last time was just like, hey there's puddles the size of like lakes and there's like pebble size of mountains like it's very much like oh I want somebody who could help me deal with the mundane in life that I can't handle and it's like maybe she's like oh my dream is reactionary exactly. it's not aspirational like you said that's why it's not real but mm-hmm. then Takumi Akiba go to beat the prez <laughs> this guy's very available for a major conglomerate like president I mean he's probably not actually really doing anything he really is. Yeah, true. <laughs> He's just being evil in an office. We, 
Working in the corporate world, I've found that the higher up you are, the less you actually have to do. So he's probably at a point where he like he's like Musk level. Like he can be the CEO of multiple corporations and not do a goddamn thing except fuck around on Twitter all day. So if you think about him in that context, it makes perfect sense. There is a scene later where we see him just like with his sound system and he has two emails all day. (laughs) And they're the most important emails he's ever received. Not to mention the fucking music that's playing. It's incredible. It's like it's like the most fucking evil bad guy, like generic evil bad guy music. You know what you're supposed to feel about this dude. But like here, he's just like humans are too insular and discriminating, all this stuff. And then like self-defense. And then like Takumi's like, we're no different then. And the president's like, I once thought that same way, but human will never acknowledge us. And then like we see a like second later, he has like fucking Gowser behind a pillar, like ready to hang out with them. Um, yeah. Until we got further into this, I was kind of confused about whether or not Gowser had heard that previous conversation. We don't really get a lot of clarity on that up to that point, but I was very concerned that I was like, how is he playing both sides like this? Like, if Gowser clearly heard everything Takumi was saying up to that point. And um, Takumi and Kiba share like a Mass Effect, like elevator ride down. And yeah. Um, then Yuka and Katero are cleaning up. What happens here? Aw, they have the cutest little flirty moment. Um, what is it? Uh, Yuka sends a message to to her pen pal Katero, and she's sitting on the sofa. And then Katero answers his phone and reads the message out. And she's like, "What the fuck? Like that's the exact message I sent." So finally, after forty episodes, mm-hmm. they they realize like, "Oh, but th- that's the guy." Weird that we both had the same names and also had a pen pal and never ever noticed. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> At least early on, they were using last names because they were like in a business relationship. But yeah, it does get ridiculous by now. Right. Yeah. As much interaction as they've all had around each other, there's no way that somebody hasn't slipped. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's just so bizarre that up until this point, neither of them have figured it out because they've been in such close contact. And, like, right before this, like, Kato says, oh, Mari's not here because she's probably, like, giving us space. Like, I have a crush on you, but don't worry. I don't anymore. (laughs) And this poor guy. I kind of, like, that was, I have this down in my moments of one of the, uh, like, heart moments for me with Kato, Kato. Because he quite literally says, look, I, like, he lays it out on the line for her. She's probably not around because she knows I have a crush on you, but he like it goes out of his way to say, I'm not a creep. Like you can still feel safe here. I'm not going to do anything about it. Like it's fine. And it's just, it's such a sweet thing for him to recognize that that might be awkward for her, but like do his best and his most awkward way to deflect that. Just be like, it's fine. Like I'm not going to harass you. Yeah. And she's just horrified though. When she finds out it's him, she's like, Oh no, this guy. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Oh, not him. Not the nice guy. The laundry guy? (laughs) Damn. (laughs) As opposed to Kaido, who was the nothing guy. Yeah, I mean, I can see why you'd like Kaido. He's very charming. She took a while to maybe get over him. It was until the police were going to experiment on her, and he was like, cool, (laughs) that she really shouldn't like him. 
I, I was thinking about that today, and I think that part of the thing with Kaido is that so much of how he is probably, and this may be me attributing more to like the acting and writing than they maybe deserve credit for, but it kind of does make sense that Kaido would be the kind of guy that she would think she was falling for after how abused she had been, because he kind of like fits that whole dynamic of needing to be constantly taken care of, but not like really willing to give you any kind of reassurance. So the fact that they have this whole like growth arc where she thinks she's in love with Kaido, but then all of a sudden she like starts thinking of Kitaro more seriously makes sense with kind of the character that she's portrayed this whole time. It's kind of a defense mechanism because he's so passionate about everything for like so briefly that she, she doesn't actually have to mm-hmm. like deal with being loved. She can just be in love. Here's all she wants right now. Right. And she can just take care of him, which I think is what she ultimately wants to do. She just wants to have someone to take care of. And he probably needs that more than anyone. But she's also never going to get any kind of reciprocity from him. And I think that that's part of like her maturation through this series is kind of realizing that and that she needs someone who's going to stand in for her also. And I'm glad, too, that the first thing that Kaido says to her is basically, hey, no reciprocity. I do not care. And it takes her forever to realize, oh, he meant that. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't just being cute. He was quite literally saying, I'm never going to be there for you. And I'm going to toss you under the bus first opportunity I get. And yeah, uh, that is just why he's still charming, despite kind of being a real asshole to her. Is He told her about it. He prepped her. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not like he was like beating around the bush. She's just like, no. She was beating with the bush earlier. Yeah. Mm. She's the one who hoped it'd be more. Yeah, that's true. What were you saying, Steph? No, I was saying it, she quite literally was just hoping that he was playing around or doing his thing. And yeah, it turns out he was being quite literal. He wanted nothing to do with her that entire time. Yeah. No. And uh, the next scene, the press is meeting with the humanity organ gauzer. Um, and then, like, he, like, asked them if they need Norfordal because they recently captured one. And it's like, oh, cool. Um, and then he gets, like, confronted. Uh, the president gets confronted by Sayako and is like, what are you doing providing aid to humans? He says, he's curious. What will they do and what they can do? Once we know that, we can predict how the pending war will go. Right. So he's basically saying, like, oh, once we find out how badly they can you know, Merc Orkvinox, that will dictate what our next move is. Right. I thought that was kind of cool, though, because my first thought is, oh, they're kind of playing his character like a uh, one of these warmongers, these people that profit from both sides of a war. But then it turns out that it's actually a lot more, like, contrived than that. He's quite literally trying to find out what the enemy has on him by paying them to do the research. Which I thought was a really great, great twist. I, I was so excited by that. And this is kind of a thing that happens in Kiva. And I think like maybe that's why like the like dark side were in business in like Changer On too. It's like, oh, like there's some continuity between these like races, these different shows, you know? Right. But in the next scene, Yuka's gone. Mari's like, Kato, she's gone. She's like, Oh no, you're gone. And then like Takumi and Kiva or like she came running she's gone and they go to like track her down and then um <laughs> that is when we kind of um cater looking 
for Yuka. And um, um, so, <clears throat> sorry. So they go looking for Yuka, yeah. And are you talking about when uh, Kedro finds her in the park or wherever? Oh yeah, like the lead up to him finding her and finding her and all that. Uh, okay, so she's she's like basically sending him, you know, a text message like, "Oh, sorry, you know, this will be my last text. I'm running away to I don't know, fucking do something." Um, and then Kedro shows up and he's like, "Oh, like there you are. I found you. Great." And she's like, "Oh no, he's she's like, I'm a monster. You got to stay away from me." Blah blah blah. And he's kind of just like. Oh, like he's like, now I realize you're my pen pal. Like you're, you're the person that I've been talking to for forever. And did she text him about like a, a like red balloon and feeling like a red balloon, like trapped in like right. branches. And then he sees it <laughs> branches and he sees it and he's like, Oh, okay. And then to fuck it all up. <laughs> Psycho shows up and she's like, Oh, you're going to join me in lucky clover now. Ha 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 ha. Like as if that's ever worked at all before. Not even once. <laughs> Not even once. You know? There's this great shot where they're both like framed by the branches they're caught, and it's like, oh, the red balloon, and you're caught. And can you escape? Yep. And then there's like a random action scene with Takumi and Kiba where they're like driving towards this armored car that they I guess they knew to attack and start shooting machine guns, and there's a cowboy on top of it. Yeah, a, a weird cowboy orphanog. Because of course, sirs. What plant animal do you guys think this is? Uh, American. Okay. Yep. Armadillo. Bat. Oh. I can kind of see it. Eh. And uh, they don't have any eggs, though, so they have to fight them hand to hand. Ah, you know, they should have. They should have planted Th- those. Hadn't been invented yet at, at this series. <laughs> eggs. Oh, it's like cowboy eggs. Out to out cowboy eggs hadn't been invented yet. Uh, and so, like, this bat cowboy guy, probably one of the most competent no names that we've seen by a mile. He's like around for a minute. Oh, yeah. He, he fucking destroys them. And, like, um, Katero, like, tries to, like, buy time for Yuka, but Yuka transforms and, like, beats off Taiko. And, like, Katero's like, oh, like, you're an orthodox? I thought he knew as well, but whatever. There's, I don't know. At this point, it's like people should know stuff that they don't, and it's it's weird. I feel like at this point, they should just assume all of them are each Orphanox, and it would just save everybody a lot of trouble. But, like, Takabi and Kiba fight this cowboy, but then, like, he shoots the detective in the leg, and then Kiba stops fighting to decide, should I kill this guy? Should I fight this guy? What am I doing? He has a whole ass existential crisis. And the episode ends, though, with Katero hugging Yuka uh, after she's like, oh, no, you have to leave. I'm not human. Yeah. Uh, w- when has that ever stopped anyone? <laughs> Especially him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really liked Katero's response here. It felt very much like, OK, he's a man of his word, you know? Principles. Yeah. Like. He will cheat on you with yourself that he doesn't know is you, but he still loves. I mean, hey, he it was it cheating. He didn't know. And it's not like they were dating anyway. So like what fucking difference does it make? True that. Yeah, no, she just is like, oh, man. Remember that random scene where she like looked at him while she was crossing the street really weird. 
Yes. What the? Yeah. She's had like the weird, creepy smile. Yeah. What was that? He was with the other girl that tried to give the Delta gear to Takumi and she saw him like, oh, you're cheating on me. Huh, Kato? Oh, it, was that what it was? I thought it was implied. She's like, oh, finally, he's off my back. He has a girlfriend and I don't have to worry about him anymore. That's how I read it. Maybe I'm wrong. She, she, she smiled like a praying mantis. That's why it was confusing. Yeah, it was a little bit weird. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. But episode 44 is called Final Mail. That sounds good. That's a positive thing, right? <laughs> uh, Final Mail? Yep. Mine says Final Text. Well, I mean, same difference. I bet you it's actually called Final Mail in Japanese because that's what they would use. Makes more sense. Yeah, I'm going off of the Emirator Wiki. So, right. Okay. Keep a snaps out of it and helps Takumi turn the cowboy's guns and like shoot him. And then we see Katero hug Yuka and the OP goes. And then we see Yuka and Katero talk. And what's their conversation about? Um. So, it's Katero and Yuka? Yeah. Um, they're like, uh, he's like, he's like, oh, you know, he's like, I'll, I'll help you and whatever. I'll make you realize, not realize your dream. What does he say? You shouldn't. Specifically? I, you shouldn't. I should. He's like, I should. He's like, I'll only cause you trouble. He's like, I really believe that humans and Norpinox both deserve to be happy and I can handle a little trouble. And then <laughs> the face, the face, Sayaka Psycho mix. Yes. When she walks away, it's just like the the greatest face of disgust I've ever seen. It's fucking hilarious. Like she's just like, ew, gross. You can't last like this forever. It's <laughs> really funny. And like it's such a like rom com, like Han Solo ending line to be like, I can handle a little trouble. Yeah. It's like can't <laughs> shut up. No, you can't. And like that's probably like his crowning moment of like, yeah, I was really cool here this one time. <laughs> that was probably the last moment he got to like actually feel like a superhero, even though he's surrounded by them. Yeah, I just yeah, just her her face, just utter like Psycho's just utter look of disgust here. Like she makes she pulls this face and she's just like, ew, gross. <laughs> she's incredible. It's kind of criminal that there wasn't like a like major scene with like her and Gowser as like villains together because they would have killed it in a show if they got to do this. Absolutely. But Kiba apologizes to talk to me for freezing and then um, that's when Kiba's like tired of fighting to protect humans Then like that's when Takumi's like have you forgotten what you believe in? Humans and Orphanox coexisting together is your dream. You don't sound like the man I fell in love with. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just uh um gets a call and then like tells Kiba they brought Yuka home. Then you, David, sounded like you wanted to talk about the scene of Mari smiling at them being cute. Um <laughs> oh yeah, okay, God. So she's just like smiling at them. She's like, ah, oh, they're so cute together, and she's just like they're like, you know, someone gets burned and then they, they both get burned and then they blow each on each other's fingers, and she's like it was completely my fault. She's like, ah, oh, it's so cute. And then she like goes to walk upstairs and just, and just like eats it on the stairs. <laughs> it's like a false spread leg. It's the weirdest thing. Like her like legs fell asleep, like filming these reaction shots. Yeah. 
I I don't know what happened. Like, I wonder if it's because she's like wearing slippers and like, <laughs> but like I I'm watching it again and again and I can't see how it happens. Like, let me run this in like slow mo. What the idea is supposed to be there? Yeah, like her legs lock up. Like she just like has a moment of like poor balance, and it doesn't fit the seat at all. They just keep it. No, yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. I'm like, I'm going, I'm doing like a frame by frame here. So she steps on the step and then she, yeah, it's very clear that like when she steps on the step, she, she isn't like on it all the way. <laughs> Perfect shot. And because, of, and because of that, she, she misses the, the second step when she goes to s- step down. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I love that they just kept that in. Yeah. Katro eating shit and this one too is just in the show because it's kind of funny for some reason. It like fits the moment by not fitting the moment. It's just like very much like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Mari's like, she basically saying like, I'll leave these two kids alone. Boop. Eat shit. Yeah. And then she immediately does something ridiculous. I'm glad no one saw because they were flirting. Um, um, The young detective gets told not to simplify his the orphan ox as he's like on crutches because he got shot in the leg because the orphan ox did the police <laughs> own or have shot him in the fucking leg yeah he's kind of starting to get the idea that maybe someone put out the order that he wasn't supposed to walk away from that fight yeah but like he just kind of is like okay I guess I'll keep monitoring the situation like I'm not sure why he's there he's like one cop basically I'm not sure why he's so important here but then Takabi and Kater are like at the park talking about how he knows that Yuka's an orphanoc now. And Katero says he doesn't care. He doesn't change who you are. He wants to be there for her pain. And then what does Takumi do here, guys? And then Takumi just like slams his head into a tree. <laughs> After telling him how amazing he is. He's like, you're so cool. You're so cool. And then just whacks him right into a tree. And looks at him affectionately after he does it. Like, this is a totally normal thing to do to someone that you care about. I mean, there's definitely some material for the Takumi Katero boys love scenes, too, in this uh, junk. Mm. And we got Tayuka being like to Kaido and Kiba. If I could take more pain, maybe I'll turn human. Kiba says, I think they just want to experiment on it. And then Kaido says, oh, you fall in love with human, haven't you? Pretty receptive for him. Nailed it. I mean, say what you want about Kaido, but yeah. Yeah, he's got his moments. Mm-hmm. And Kiba's very much against it, but she's just like, oh no, what about my love? What about it? And then Kaido has a random scene of him just hanging out in the city. Yeah, he gets I, I swear I've seen this guy that punches him too. Like, was he an evil bad guy early in this series? Oh, I'm sure. Um, I'll look, I guess. But um, what happens here? Yeah, he seemed like he seemed like a just a generic bad guy. Uh, he gets punched in the head, and then and then he's like, "I'm just gonna, I'm just." He's like, "I'm gonna beat you up," and then and then he's like, "No, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna stay on the ground." He's like, "I'd tap it out. Good, go away, get out of here." <laughs> he's tapping out. Yeah, I'm not seeing any stuff with this guy. He might just be a dude. I don't know. Then we have a little meet cute with with Yuka and what is it called? Um, Kethro. And Kato's like, oh, let's go on a date. And then she gets a message from Kiba and she's like, or not a message from Kiba. She remembers what Kiba said. And she's like, mm, I don't know. I mean, it's like a tiny little like aside mm-hmm. thing. Like Kato t- 
to the plot of this movie or plot of the show is like basically nothing like, like doesn't really need to exist here anymore as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, no, he's done his part. Um, and then Takumi meets, meets in the park with Kusika to talk about if he was the Rafasenko exists. Um, and of course, Kusika's the day will come where we fight again, but, I, <laughs> but first I must go avenge my murder. I had no clue what he was talking about for a minute. I, I like forgot that he knew who did it. Wait, does he know who did it? Yeah, it's Kitazaki, remember? Oh, right. Yes, right. Yeah, the fact that we all forgot probably <laughs> mm. said something. But then Mari and Yuka meet and they have a cute moment. Definitely leads to like credence to your everyone's having gay love stuff. Yep. Um, there's a reason Mari doesn't like any of those handsome boys that are chasing her around. That's fair. She only likes Kiba and probably Yuka at this point. Uh, but she texts Katero back and agrees to hang out. And he's like, yeah, at home. He's like, just so excited. Um, and then we cut to the orphanage where Kaido's just watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kid get planted. Yeah. I think Bahara is doing a bad job if four kids can get like planters full of water and pour them on another kid. Yep. What a shocker. He's mediocre at everything he does. <laughs> is this his part time job? Yeah. Mm, working at an orphanage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really low. They don't care how much experience you have when you work at an orphanage, uh, which is probably actually true in some places, but you know. Then Taro pops the fence and runs into Kaido and Kaido just takes him. And he's like, it's time to avenge our murders. Let's go. As one does. And without sounding creepy, question mark. <laughs> like, why now? Why? Why now? Yeah. Yeah. Is it just because he knew where Kitazaki is? I think it's because he's kind of having that existential crisis because he pointed out that uh, Kiba and Osada both kind of like had these transitions and he hadn't changed yet. Mm. So I think it's supposed to be kind of pointing to that. But that's really fucking extreme to go from I hate the orphans to let me steal one. Yeah, because there's like things here. Like one is Mahara comes to go avenge. And then one is that Kaido gets Teru. And then like we see his shadow being weird. And what do y'all think of his shadow? Yeah. Oh, man. I wasn't sure because it definitely didn't have the same, like, uh, like the standout quality that the human orphanoc kind of monsters have in the battles. So I was really curious to see what happened. It's like only his eyes, right? And it grows. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a tiny little part of his face or something. Yeah. Yeah, so he has a like weird shadow here. It comes back later, but I think I've put it together just now. Want to save your thought for the end, or um... yes, I'll 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 save my thought for the end. Okay. Um, but then Takumi's just talking to the G Man, which is kind of funny because it is Gowser, but is like he just says it's all a misunderstanding, and like we're trying to foster peace. <laughs> Come bring your friends back. We'll make them believe that they're like still human. Yeah, it'll be all good. Don't worry about it. Kato gets a haircut. Mari takes too much off. 
Because he won't quit squirming. That's kind of the part that made it funny for me is like he's so nervous about having his haircut that he's freaking out all over the place and she ends up taking a huge chunk out of his hair out, but the trying to cover it up. It's a free haircut, you know. Yeah, don't don't complain, <laughs> motherfucker. Exactly. Chill out, guys. And then uh the next scene with Takumi, what happens, Steph? Oh god. <laughs> okay, so let me see. He just got done getting his haircut. So this is the part where he's talking to Kiba and Yuka on a hill. Oh God. Yeah. They're in the, for some reason. Okay. I'm going to be perfectly honest. For some reason, my subtitles cut out at the end part of this episode. So okay. I missed all of this dialogue. I was entirely trying to go off of like, whatever, how everybody was reacting to everything. But anyway, it looks like he's talking to Kiba and Osada and they're kind of, trying to come to some sort of agreement but then all of a sudden they start getting fired on again he's trying to tell them turns out this fucking militia has like snuck in there they've like done some kind of like old school vietnam movie bullshit they're like hiding in the bushes and like they've got uh camo on their guns and shit and all of a sudden they just like go crazy firing on these three because what takumi's saying is hey we can trust them and then immediately they like ambush them for no reason because he he had talked to the younger police guy, and the police guy's like, "Oh yeah, you can trust us." But the police guy did like the younger police guy doesn't know what the fuck is going on, like not really. He he's just he doesn't know he's a pawn. Yeah, no. he's just going off of like, "Well, you can I'm police, you can trust the police. We're good people." It's like, mm. yeah, because that's historically been the case. It's even more yep. perplexing though, because he talks to like the younger guy earlier. His last scene, he was talking to the like head guy Gowser, who said, "Oh yeah, we won't try and hurt you." So I'm not sure why they were jumped like this. Except for the fact that yeah. kind of up to this point, Gowser's kind of made it clear that he's willing to step on anyone to like get what he wants. So unless that was just like another, well, this is kind of how humans are. Like they're willing to say anything to fuck you over. And what happens to Kitazaki next, David? To Kitazaki? He's walking at the bar. <laughs> oh, he has a rough day. Yeah, he's he's walking in the I don't know where this is in the bar. Yeah, yeah this is in the bar. He's in the bar and he's walking in there and fucking Kuzuka just like comes out of the shadows like I'm going to get you. I'm Batman. <laughs> and Mihara shows up behind him. He's like, oh, you brought a friend. Let's OK, let's go fight. I'm going to make you swill, like piggy boy. And from here, the fights kind of get intertwined, but like. The cowboy shows up at the ambush, injures Yuka. Oh man, the cowboy is so cool, man. He like shows up and he's just like blah 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 blah, blah <laughs> and he like crosses his arms and like shoots people. Oh, I'm like, oh man, this guy's cool as shit. And like it's honestly, it's the perfect crime because like they're like, hey, who killed all these police officers with guns? Was it this monster that's a bat? That doesn't make any sense. It, it was friendly fire, right? Well, it's just like, did you ever watch the Boondock Saints? Those movies? Yeah. And the amount of times that, like, they perfectly did things like that, like killing people, like, with their arms crossed over so that it took the detectives forever to fucking put the scene together. Yeah, that that's exactly what it reminded me of. Like, there was somebody that came in and was like, I'm gonna fuck up all this detective shit. <laughs> it just started firing from all angles. And so, like, they let Yuka leave. Um, and then, like, we cut to, like, um, the common Rider roof. Is Kitazaki just beating Rusei school's ass and like he goes super speed which I didn't know he did more than that one time before he like dodges their stuff he's knocking them back and forth he's like I'm the strongest in the world 
he kind of looks like it right now. Honestly, yes, he's handling them pretty, pretty easily, especially when he goes like his weird, uh, speedy form. Um, and then what does Takumi do to this cowboy though, guys? It's one of the coolest little moments when he when he uh, not Excel forms. What's what's this this Blaster form, form? Blaster form. He walks in leaning. Put that thing on him. Yeah, he's just like he's <laughs> he's got he's got the fucking. He just like doesn't care. He just like walks up to him, and he just starts to beat his ass for a minute. Uh, but yep. that's not really what's important. Cause that comes in at the next episode. But to end this episode, we get Yuka's last scene. Uh, who wants this? Um, I mean, I can take it. So yeah, please do. That's a lot of emotion. <laughs> so, so Yuka's been like hurt pretty badly. I mean, like she's been shot by the police like God in the span of two days, like fifty times. Um, and she's like bleeding from her arm and she is like crawling away from the, the scene of the crime. She leans up against a tree. And then of course, Sayako shows up and she's like, ah, oh, she's like, this is going to be your, your burial ground. She's like, I'm just going to kill you. Cause you're too much trouble. And she can't transform to save herself. And Sayako just fucking kills her. But it takes a minute though. Yeah. It takes a minute. Like she, I don't know. She like stabs her or something like you don't ever see like, how she's dying, she's just dying. And she's leaned up against a tree and she sends her last text message to Katero and then turns into feathers. As he's waiting for their date. In yes, outside of Shinjuku. <laughs> I will say that this was uh, this was an especially harsh scene for me because the uh subtitles didn't cut back on until her text message. Ooh. So to go from watching all of that happen and not really have the uh, the uh, context of what was happening verbally to just suddenly have her writing this very sweet message to Kerato, I I was having a lot of emotion during this scene. It was very intense. And like it's implied that because of her process that she undertook, that's why she's so weak or is dying off this like one wound or can't transform. Ah, uh, right. okay. Because she did what she thought was the right thing and try to become human again. And yeah, just a whole lot of feathers. And um, just what we think of her dying here. Because I definitely was like, in my first watch years ago, I was like, oh, I don't like this. She should have gotten more time. But this time I was a little more. She did get a lot of time in these like leading up episodes. So I felt a little kinder to it. I'm not sure how I feel about it because like I, I would have loved to see her like be a redeemed character in some way because it's very evident, right? Like she's, she's like killed a lot of people. Like I think like in the show, probably she has the highest body count by far, Absolutely, at least on screen. Yeah. Maybe Sawada, but yeah, like on screen she's up yeah. there. Yeah. So having her be like, you know, a redeemed character would have been nice, but like she just kind of gets like, oft in a way that's like really you know um like sad and lonely like she just dies at a tree right like it's yeah. not yeah it's not like you know um it's not emotional in a way like oh like Katero found her and she was dying and then she turned into things in his arms right like that doesn't happen like you could have gone that way mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know mm. yeah uh, it's tough like of course the romantic in me wanted her to get to have 
the redemption and the happy ending with Kero and them like running the laundromat together and her finally getting to have like something for herself. But on the other hand, I also understand like from a writing perspective how much more impactful it is to have her character kind of go out this way. I I like I said, I, I, I wish that she could have something better, but this wasn't the worst ending for her because she still did get to have her like couple of real moments with Kedro and she got to have her romance, even if it was one sided with Kaido and, you know, she found a good friend in Kiba. Like she had her happy moments. I kind of wish there'd been more of them, but I get it. It's not the worst, but it's not like the best storyline I would have hoped for, for her character. I remembered it being a total fridging, which it wasn't. It was, she had an arc up to her end. So like it was a little out of nowhere, but like it didn't seem like it was happening just for somebody else's story here, which I like, like, right. Which is a lot for the time period, maybe. But, um, yeah, it's definitely like, I wish she'd gotten some of the time that went to weird little plot lines. Like, man, Mihara is so cool. Right, guys? Yeah. Yeah, especially that scene where like he's talking about going to work in an orphanage and Kusaka's just as he always is, just cleaning his car. Yeah. Okay, well, that could have definitely been used someplace a lot more impactful. I think like also this is just like, oh, um uh, like what's that like Edgar Allan Poe quote, like the most beautiful thing in the world is like or the most poetic thing in the world is the death of a beautiful woman. That's also kind of what they're trying mm. to do be like oh it's so poetic she was a, a woman and she died <laughs> i get that but her character was already kind of just poetic in her tragedy they really didn't have to do the death thing but i once again i i get it because i know how these shows go so it's it's easy to forget like where that character started right yes. like thinking back on it now it's like oh yeah like she was in like an abusive family nobody liked her she got bullied at school she literally got fucking murdered like yeah Yeah. okay like i understand why she's a little bit like "Mm, fuck you guys yeah she's a bit deranged but understandable i don't think this show is trying to be like this is what happens to teens on the street but like that's kind of the vibe her story is like this is the not happy ending of somebody who was like screwed from the start kind of thing. Uh. Yeah. It, it's almost like they used her character character to subvert that idea of people getting a happy ending. And it feels like it wasn't really necessary except to achieve that plot point. And I think that's why I don't like it that much because it doesn't really serve anything for this series. Yeah. She was like a cautionary tale of this is what happens when, you don't have any support structures. Your parents don't love you enough, I guess. <laughs> kind of feels like no matter what she did, it was her fault. So it sucked all the way around. More like no matter what she did, she was doomed, I guess. And that wasn't her fault, I guess. Yeah. Is where I take it. Yeah, yeah that's a good way. It's a little just like also just let's have this character not be able to stop her own death, which is. We're we're going for the Emmy here, guys. She's got to die. <laughs> you don't understand. No, it will reverberate, as we see in last episode. 45, things awakening. I think more than anything else, we have a lot of events through this series that have triggered some really big moments. I think that her 
abuse and death start to set off like the events for this show. And this is where we start to really see it take hold. Yeah. Cause Kiba runs away from the fight as Takumi's beating up the cowboy, but more police show up. So Takumi has to jetpack away and the bat gets away. But Kiba finds Is that the first time we've seen the jetpack? I'm sorry to interrupt. That that was one of my questions. He used head. it when he like cut the bus in half, the train in half. Yeah. The first time he used it. Oh, that's right. Okay. Sorry about that. And this is only the second time he's used it, I think, actually. Now that I'm realizing. Yeah. I think so. It's the only time I remember. Which is cool because it was kind of an oh shit moment when he like pulled it out. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't him trying to be heroic at all. It was just quite literally him going, I'm going to die if I don't do this. But Kiba finds this feathery tree in the dust of her phone and gets a very shaky cam. It's the most shakiest of cams as he screams um, and passes out. He has so much emotion in this scene. It's incredible. He's got like snot coming out of his nose and stuff too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And a man finds him right before Takumi pulls up and also finds her gravesite. I didn't love that Takumi didn't tell anybody about this though. Yeah, he had other shit going on. Yeah. But to cut back to cool fight seats, Kusuga and Mahara get up after their eighth beating. <laughs> we need to kill them no matter what. <clears throat> then they get knocked back again as they try to ride a kick but fail and they are defeated. But their dad, Hanagata, the goat, shows up and stops uh, Kitazaki. The goat. <laughs> I mean, he is. He is a goat. He's literally a goat. Quite literally, yeah. And he, like, has his own super speed. So, like, he blocks, like, Kitazaki's super speed. He fights him normal and just tosses him away, which is a cool bit. Is that... Have we seen him before and I just missed it? Because I really got the impression that once again I was seeing something that I should know what it was or who it was, and I was not. Do you remember the first time that... um, Takumi and Kusuka went into the underground laboratory and they're like, what the hell is all this shit? And they found the people with the belts. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up there. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And when you remember when he, he told Kusuka, he's like, you need to fight for the guy. You're, you're right to party. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That explains why he kind of looked familiar, but I would. He's been talked about way more than he showed up. Cause he's like the former president before like Mirakami. Gotcha. And he manhandles uh, what's his face? This is the guy that went crazy. Kitazaki, yeah. Oh yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. And then we see Takabi goes up to where Katero was on a date and he's passed out at the pole they're going to meet at. I, I love that they, they shot this kind of like in a gorilla way because this is like one of the main entrances to Shinjuku Station. So like it's yeah. very it's very clear that they like could not get a, a her permit to, to shoot in front of Shinjuku Station to shut it down. And it looks so cool for it, not having that. Right. Yeah. And Mankato is so excited when he wakes up and he's like, oh, it's Takumi, not Yuka. But they walk home and he's like, oh, it's okay. I just got dumped. He tries so hard to be positive about it. He's such a sweet baby. And Kusika wakes up a little less gently. Because he's on some rocks. <laughs> yeah, he's had a rough day. And Mahara's like, that was our dad. And he's like, oh. And then we see Kaido is trying to eat cup noodles with this kid. And the kid's like, I hate fucking cup noodles. And also, 
he takes a pole bed. <laughs> Kid's just kind of a dick all around, yeah. huh? And more creepy shadow time. Yeah, his weird, like, extended shadow where he's, like, already a full-grown person. Yeah, it, that's the part that's weird about it, because the shadow, like, is a full-grown man, as opposed to this kid, so that the way it transposes between the two of them, creepy as fuck. Yeah. And we have this really sad scene of Catero, like, trying to treat everyone to lunch, and then they try to treat him, and he's like, oh, it's okay, I'm good. And then, like, as they walk home, he just starts to break down. It's even sadder because Takumi is like, it, like, mentally apologizing to him. Like, I couldn't save her. I'm so sorry for you. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. It, like, and it just happens over and over again. So you get that overplayed with uh, our sweet boy just crying there, leaning against the bridge. And it's a very emotional set of scenes. Yeah. And just poor everyone here. Like, poor dead, poor living, you know? Um, and the fucking swing tonally. Oddly enough, Mari's the only one doing okay in this episode, and she's usually the one that's getting all the hell. Oh yeah, Mari's just like, oh, do 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 do. I'm alive again. Third time's a charm. She's finally living her best lives. Yeah, in her mind, oh, Yuka's just left. Bad for Katero. Yeah, pretty much. And here's the like big tonal swing of then the president's trying out his sound system, and he has a one email from like smart lady and then he gets a call from Gowser and like an email it's like some cellular discovery huh <laughs> what I don't quite see what this is but he's shook by it later so angry he smashes that Apple computer yeah he destroys it unknown bad well and we never really get an explanation we get some like really fancy on screen graphics where a bunch of cells are supposedly moving back and forth really quickly but Nobody tells us why that matters. Yeah, not yet, no. Though, pretty cool how well the show has kind of just lined up into arcs in these five episode chunks. Like, it's like a, oh, and here's the final arc is really starting here. And mm. like it's kind of like ends and goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but so back to back, we get at the orphanage the next day. They're trying to find Teru and also Kaido waking up like, where is he? <laughs> He's walking along this underpass. It, uh, it kind of pisses me off that it took them that long to realize one of their kids was missing because he was gone like overnight yeah you don't you wouldn't notice that's that? a lot of checks that they yeah. missed <laughs> dude missed like three whole meals before somebody was like hey where's that surly kid it's one thing it was like nighttime after dinner and like he snuck out after bed but it was like the middle of the day there had to be at least like six attendants that were like, I haven't been ins- assaulted today. Where's that tiny, angry little guy? Yeah. At least. Oh, uh, but they're looking now, I guess. So, hey, they'll send their two new part-timers to look for this child. Um, But that's when the press like has all three clovers. Like, we have to go take down this institute. They have knowledge they shouldn't have. And like, at the same time, Takumi meets with the younger detective and gets the lab location. Um... And then we see Teru. And what does Teru do, everyone? Uh, he, uh, I think we finally start to get some kind of understanding about what his creepy long shadow is. He, he's Silent Hill. No, what, what movie is that where people get Resident Evil? Resident, Resident Evil. Evil, yes. Yeah. Where they get cut apart by the lasers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. And poor homeboy is like... Uh, out of it the entire time it's this whole shadow self that we've only seen glimpses of up to this point that kind of like becomes larger than life and takes over and knocks out the orphanog 
And like he asked this question, are you orthodox before like he kills one of them? And then like the other one leaves, but is coming yeah. back to run over his car after Kaido has called to him and he snapped out <laughs> of it. He's like, oh no, there's a car. I'm a child. Yeah. And we have this really like cool moment for Kaido where he grabs the kid and pushes him out of the way of the car, which is as heroic as we ever see Kaido because he never does anything for anyone. But uh, yeah, it turns into actually a pretty good fight scene after that. Yeah, because the survivor was the bat who was getting his car fixed. Weird little aside, but starts to like beat Kaido up because he's like <laughs> fought multiple common riders and he's like the coolest dude at this point. Mm-hmm. He thinks he knows what he's doing. He's got XP. And then Takabe sees the lab and it's a massacre. Yeah, like everyone is fucking dead. Like for like the whole like walk towards it, the whole walk down it. He finds this group of scientists that all revive and then dust after saying the Orphanox attacks. <laughs> yeah, because of course, poor Takumi is trying to be as reasonable as he ever is, and he's just like trying to look for a survivor to ask them what's happened, even though it's pretty obvious that that shit has been wrecked like from the outside in. He was basically trying to find like an audio log yeah, he was looking for the black box mm. of the lab is what he was doing. But he gets called to help Mahara. Um, and to skip one scene, um, he like fights Cowboy that becomes Axel form and is like, okay, I'm going to kick him four times. That'll finally kill him, right? Right. <laughs> and it does. Which is a very cool way to kill someone. I'm going to kick you super speed a bunch. Well, I think I know what my uh, first attack move is if I start to get into a fight in my corporate office. Keep kicking. I never noticed. Um, the Axel form of Fize looks very similar to Delta. It does, doesn't it? Oh, interesting. The The eye color is almost the same. I guess it's not. It's orange and red, but like the suit is black with the white stripes and with like slight accents, but it's almost identical. Mm, yeah, it does look like Delta. I'm going to have to check that out next episode. I hadn't noticed. But we do see Kiba's back, though. And he's waiting for the bleeding G-Man who escaped. And who wants to talk about what Kiba does in this episode? Oh, man, it's so fucking cool. <laughs> so he's like, he's he's driving down the, the uh, Gowser's driving down the, the road right toward Kiba. Kiba stands in the middle of the road. Thinking like, oh, okay, he's like, I'm just going to run this kid over. I'll hit him with the car, whatever. Keep it mm. transforms. Calls him an abomination while he does it. <laughs> he's like, you're an abomination. Keep it transforms, punches the car off the road into another car. Yes. Great show of power. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. It's fucking awesome. He pulls the dude out of the, out of the car. And he's like, oh. He's like, you guys destroyed my lab, and if you think you've won, he's like, you're you're fucking wrong. And Kiba just picks him up and murders him. Yes. Does the the old the good old heart stabby we haven't seen in a long time. Yes. And the guy's laughing the whole time. Like, you'll know why I'm laughing soon. You and your kind will never defeat the human spirit. And Kiba just has like this stone cold killer face the entire time. Like he doesn't react to anything. And then he just turns around and walks away. It's so beautifully cold blooded. I, I loved it for Kiba so much. And then Mr. Dad shows up. Dun dun dun. And he's like, Are you satisfied? And he looks Kiba looks back and he's like, Yes. Daddy isn't shoes. Oh. No. I don't have dad <laughs> shoes. <laughs> 
what do you think would fucking like their dad showed up with Kiva at the end to ask him that like super badass are you satisfied after you murder someone that's cold as shit I was not prepared at all I I was ready for Kiba to do something crazy because they'd been like these last couple episodes they've been setting him up to be angrier and angrier and like more in the headspace of kind of embracing his Orphanox side but man to have daddy pop out at the very end and for them to like walk off arm and arm oh that was so beautiful it was so great I love it I love it love it love it I kind of jumped on you uh, there, David, but his line of just, are you satisfied is cold as hell. Yeah, it's not even like, are oh, you done? So, are you finished? Like, let's go. He's like, are you satisfied with killing him? Yes. And I love that Kiba says yes. Thanks to you. Uh, yes, it's everything. It's everything. So that's the end of this chunk. We've gone through a lot. I was surprised how much this was about you because I'm like, glad you got so much time, but how are people feeling about the show and how do we, what happens next? What do we think happens next is what I mean. Any theories? Mm, okay. So here's my theory. Okay. So you remember how the president was like looking for kids or whatever mm-hmm. at orphanages. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is like specifically related, but clearly Teruo is an orphanoc very evidently, but he seems to be like, super powerful and doesn't know he's an orphanoc. So th- this episode is called like the King returns or whatever. And I think that it's, it's like um kind of a red herring where the dad returns and he's like, ah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the evil bad guy, the King is back. Like, you know, it's me. I think that's a red herring. I think Taro is like a reborn fucking orphanoc King or something. And you have to be an orphan because that's important for some reason. Mm-hmm. And the king is actually the not the king, uh, dad guy is like there to try and stop him. Interesting. And that smart brain is actually not evil, and they are trying to kill Teruo before he could turn back into the Orphanot King. Okay. What do you think? Any theories, Steph? Oh man, I, no. I'm I'm just gonna throw all of my support behind David's theory because he thought that so much more in depth than I did. I'm just, I was sitting here going, huh, wouldn't it be interesting if they decided that Kiba was going to be the next president and it turns into him eventually having to take on Takumi and, you know, it, but then I didn't have any space for uh, our little orphan boy to fit in. So yeah, no, I'm going to throw all my support behind David's theory. That's, that's what's going to happen. Play some bets. So your combined theory would be that Kiba's next smart brain president and that Terry's the new king or whatever yeah but my my thing would be i think that kiba is the type of guy that no matter what happened he's always gonna eventually do the right thing so i think that he's president but i also think that if it comes down to an actual legitimate war between the orphanox and humans he finds a way to compromise it just i i think that even no matter how angry he is, no matter how much he wants to avenge Asada, I think that what's going to eventually always win over for a character like Kiba is his uh, perceived duty to his humanity. So I think that he's going to be a, a short-term traitor, long-term turn out to be a good guy. Okay. Any thoughts on that, uh, David? Um, hmm. 
I don't think that Kiba's going to become the next president, but I think that um, he's, he might be used kind of as a weapon between, uh, what's it called? Between him and Fize. Because there isn't, there is a shot in the opening where him and Fize are fighting and like there hasn't been like an exact like culmination to that event. So I wonder if that's what it's actually hinting at. That makes sense. But I have no idea. Yeah. I, this show's had a lot of turns that I did not see coming. So I, I'm not going to really pin too much hope on any kind of theory for the next five episodes because the writers have proven that they're not above like turning an entire story on its head. So I'm here for it. And I can't say anything um, because I've seen uh, the show. But no, um, are people enjoying the show at this point, though? Are we excited for the end? Absolutely. Yes. I'm interested to see where it goes at the end. It could go a couple couple ways. So, Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why I've had so much fun with it. Like I said, it, it takes everything I think I'm going to see and it turns it on its head. So I absolutely expect our next five episodes to do the exact same. And just a good job, everyone, for figuring out who that guy was. They're like, this guy, we recognize him. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> that was a real group effort. I'm proud of us. Yeah. yeah teamwork makes the dream work, y'all. And uh, speaking of dream work, uh, let's have us little minions figure out who our top three favorite characters are. Time. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'll go first. My uh, number one is Kitaro. I absolutely loved him getting to show just what an absolute amazing person he was through this set of episodes. Um, and then uh, psych- Psycho? Um, I liked that I know that she is kind of like the same character no matter what scene she's in, but it feels like every time she's on the screen we get a little bit like more in depth with her. So I kind of like that it she lets her personality out little by little, even if she did kill Osato, which is kind of unforgivable. She's still an interesting character. Um, so got to give her that much. And then uh, the orphans monster for number three. I'm really excited to see what happens with this guy. Mm-hmm. What do you think, David? Hmm. Um, I mean. Okay, number three, I'm going to give it to Katero. I think he has like a good arc this this series of episodes, and it kind of like wraps up his storyline. Like, I don't think he's going to be too involved in the, the last set of stuff. So I think it's it's good. Um, I think Kiba is quite good in this set as well. Like him kind of trying to it's it's up in the air now but he's trying to come to terms with the fact that like oh like maybe i was wrong about humans and they do want to kill us and i don't know how to feel about that so i think that's kind of an interesting um kind of character shift in the final hour and then i mean i have to give it to mystery g-man police dude played by the guy who plays <laughs> gauzer because goddamn like he just in every scene he's in, he just controls that scene, and he's just so fun to watch. He eats it up, yes. He's, he's a... Yeah, um, a really good kind of forgotten side character. Um, number three, I give to Kiba. I really love the way he's struggling with so much in this whole arc. Number two, Katero. A side character does not usually get this much focus in Kamen Rider, and he kills what is his arc, I really think. 
Um, mm-hmm. Number one, Yuka. Um, she is like the tragic character who's kind of destined to never be happy or to die. But I really do like how she uses the time she's given. And like, I think it, it might definitely be done better in a modern context. But also it's just like it, it didn't feel as it didn't feel hateful or exploitative. It was just like, we're doing this light novel drama ass character and we're going to do it. It it felt like it's so easy for character for TV shows, especially like this to take a tragic character and really overdo it to a point that it feels disingenuine. But her, the way that they played out her like kind of contribution in death, it wasn't overdone. It It really felt just perfect for her in a way that not a lot of shows can get right. What was everyone's favorite moment of Tokusatsu? The effects, monsters, heroes, fight scenes, etc. There's a couple good ones. Uh, Mine was mine was uh, 100% Kiba pulling our baddie out of his car and just like coldly stabbing him in the heart. Like there is no emotion on his face whatsoever. He is quite literally doing what he feels like he needs to do drops his body and turns around and walks away. For a character like Kiba, who up to this point has been like the good guy of the good guys, to just have such a like deep, dark moment because he's so angry that his friend has died was so good. What about you, David? What do you have for your favorite Toku? Um, I think when the Bat Orphan Ock shows up in the park where everyone is and just gun katas everyone to death is really yeah. satisfying. Like he, yes. he just looks f- fucking cool. <laughs> the only thing cooler would have been if he gym caught it a bunch of people to death. <laughs> Had a horse yeah. there. Get a high bar, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do a little flip. Absolutely. Get shot with an arrow. Yeah. As one does. Um, I will say that I do appreciate how Fi's has at least a couple scenes that shows you normally people are fighting at super speed or super strength, but we can't show it because budget. But once in a while, it's like, here's somebody punching a car. Here's what happens if you get hit by one of these punches. It does reference, like, have a point of reference is nice. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, that, that, that part was really cool, too, where Kiba just punches the car off the road. Yeah. So for me, I think um, when Kaiza advise kill that lizard and they like crossover like finisher combined at the same time perfect stink it was like oh man this show is some cool it's a very cool bunch of like finishers and monsters and suits mm-hmm. they've got a good formula yeah what's your favorite outfit uh, this time though mm, that one's a little bit harder to answer yeah I don't have a new ones this time I like leather jacket Katero Mm-hmm. When he's when he's waiting for Mar or not Mari when waiting for Yuka, that's mine. What about you, Steph? Oh man, it's so tough. Why don't you give us yours and I'll keep thinking on it for just yeah. a second here. It's hard. I'm gonna give it to. Uh, we don't get a name for Gowser G Man, but his whole like, I'm a leather jacket cop, government agent dude <laughs> outfit is so. <laughs> that's kind of iconic like it's just like a great look because he just shows up and, and he's these stupid sunglasses and like the lights behind him and his sunglasses are, are like all crooked so he just looks like 
the most fucked up man imaginable. Uh, but <laughs> he sells it, I think. What do you think, Steph? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with you. I can't think of anything better because, you know, just like I mentioned earlier, he pulls off that entire, like, Matrix thing with a long leather duster. I, I don't have an, any more original answer than that. Yeah, you're right. He he nailed it. No, that's a good one. But um, just to keep everyone on track, though, next time, Tom Murder 5 is episodes 46 through 50, and we talk about our next set, answer some questions and finish off the TV show. We still have the movie though. Boop, boop. Dark ass movie. It might make more sense now. It <laughs> might make less sense now, Steph, honestly. <laughs> it, it really might because I'm remembering back some of the scenes I saw. Now I've like, I've got kind of like that confused dog head cocked to the side. Like, huh, mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna have to revisit that and find out what was happening. But, um, so that's in two weeks. And for now, well, let's uh, plug like a bear and say, where can we find you, Steph, when you're not talking about uh, Kevin Ryder? <laughs> uh, you can find me on www.arcademilitia.com. Uh, you can find me on threads and Instagram at nobody much. I will be perfectly honest. I'm just not on social media a lot anymore. Me but if you send me a message, I will absolutely do my best to answer it. Um, and if you have more in-depth questions, absolutely email the uh, podcast email address here because Kip is a lot better at checking his email than I am. So that's my plug. Uh, David? Uh, you can find me on the Tokyo Fresh podcast. Um, and I guess if you really want, you can find me on Instagram at Zyrell, but I don't use it all that much. <laughs> Terrible at this. I end the show really isn't on Twitter much, uh, whatever it's called now. but. Uh, at James Forge and at Common Ride is me on co-host at James D and at Common Ride. Uh, please check out CommonRapid.com for episodes and articles slash episodes links up different platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. There's slash merch where you can get your mommy is shoes search and have all <laughs> have all proceeds go to charity. Uh, there is a podcast CommonRapid.com if you have any questions. Oh, uh, but for now, everybody, what did we learn to? Oh God. Uh, Hmm, what did we learn today? Um don't, don't trust take your mommy issues out on other people. Yeah, don't trust anyone. That's true. With anything. It's your lesson, Steph. Oh god. Um if you're a pen pal with someone, get their first and last name and maybe compare it to all the people that you're directly hanging out with day in and day out and actually living with. Might save you some trouble in the long run. Just saying. Especially in case they're a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs>